Hi, I'm Dev Muir. You're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to this week's episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm your host Lee Gillis. And I'm Michael McCall. And that was my third take of trying to get that right this um, this evening. It's now 10 o'clock, give or take, just off the back of a, an interview with Craig Stoney Johnson, which was absolutely fantastic yet again. Well, some... explains why you started off by going, hello, hello. Yes, yeah, well, maybe. But to be fair, I think that has been my intro for a while, as in, hello, hello, how, how do you do? as an East Fife song, which is why I picked that, um, instead of, of course, hey, of hey, course. hey, like Rusty the Clown. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why I started doing that. I started doing it over a year ago for here, and I've just kept doing it. So there you go. At least means it's got context. But anyway, aside of uh, slagging each other, which has been pretty prominent <laughs> from our, our conversation today, uh, we've got an excellent show coming up for you, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we have in recording it. And we want to, to thank the Phoenix and Glen office um, for a, a, an amazing donation, which we'll be putting straight towards the clubs to go towards the GPS vests. So just a little bit of a blurb. The Phoenix, Glen office and Lawrence Welsh are proud to support East Fife in these difficult times and would encourage all East Fife fans to help at the club if they can. At the Phoenix, we offer a warm and friendly atmosphere to anyone who comes to visit us. We offer a generous 35 mil measure of all premium brands and have a fantastic range of draft beers and ciders, including Magnus Original and the best pint of Guinness in town. Once lockdown's over, head along to their Domino's Night on a Tuesday, their pub quiz on a Sunday, or for your next special occasion, why not book their function suite for just £149, which includes a DJ. They also have an amazing jukebox with over 30,000 songs in it, um, so if you're in the mood for music, you'll find what you want. So thanks to, to the, the Phoenix and Lawrence Welsh once again. So, is League One and League Two coming back, Michael? Well, fingers crossed. Uh, of course, the news broke the day after we'd recorded last week's show. We could have re-recorded and spliced something in, but I, I wanted just to keep what, what we had talked about in it. But yeah, League One and League Two clubs unanimously, which actually has surprised me, have been pushing to to restart, doing testing once a week. That's what the money's there for. And fair play to them. It's like they want to play. Let's hope they get the go-ahead. There hasn't been an answer, at least at the time of recording, that I've seen anyway. Inevitably it'll be tomorrow. Um, Oh, it's bound to be. (laughs) But, I mean, look, I, I absolutely loved the joint statement. It was great to see the unity, all the teams in the lower league, and I'm surprised that Brecon wanted to play, to be honest. But here we go. There we are. Um, Maybe they know there'll be no relegation, though, if the if the leagues below it don't get back. Yeah, that's the only reason I could think. Because let's be honest, they've voted very selfishly in the past. Um, so I, I can't say that I'm um, too surprised if that was going to be the reason. But look, it's something which 
I mentioned on our Twitter page, which seemed to generate a lot of messages and things like that, people that hadn't thought about it. It means that there's going to be a lot of lower league players that are going to be sitting about doing nothing because I can't imagine that the Lowland League are, are going to get the go-ahead because I can't see them having the money for testing. And one of the names that I mentioned was, of course, Nathan Fashoster. Mm-hmm. Who's going Good to be shite. available? Yeah, um, I think that, that these players will want to play. Yeah. You know, they're... they're and it's they're a not- win-win situation because yeah. you're, you're putting the player in the spotlight so the club could end up selling a player and making money or if they then do get the okay to go ahead, they've got a guy that's fully fit and ready to go. 100%. And no, he's cleaning COVID because he's been getting tested twice a week. Yeah. I, I think week. it would be a great addition. I mean, Fash has made it clear he wants to come back and, and finish his career at East Fife at some point. There could be maybe a little bit... Some Some fans didn't seem that happy at the idea because of how he went to, to Kelty in the first place. Let bygones be bygones, I, I say. I think our interview with him cleared a lot of that up. I, I'd i welcome him back with open arms. I made a point on the, the, the WhatsApp group, um, and I don't know if you've seen it, but I mean, I've, I've worked for the company that I've been with, it'll be for eight years in June. And I love them, and that's why I'm still there. Um, but if a competitor comes up to me and goes, right, Lee, we're going to give you 15 grand, to, as a signing on bonus for coming to us to do the exact same job that you know you're good at what'd you say I'd, I'd bite their hands off I'd be like right so you're going to pay me more money and give me a signing on bonus to do something that I know I'm good at somewhere else okay yeah <laughs> and, and that's where I think that football fans could be a bit I don't think fickle is the right word because I, I could I totally understand where uh, the fans that were, were mentioned that are come from, I, I totally get it. You, you've got that, oh, well, you did that to us. And I, I get that. But I mean, if you were to ask Darren, when he was a player, you know, would you have uh, went and did that? Of course he would have. Of course he would have. Well, fans, it's a short career. You've got a very short window to make money in the game. Yeah. I mean, it, it literally paid his deposit for his house. I mean, he's got a young family. I mean, you, you would ha- you'd have to have complete tunnel vision. To, to not have done that, you know, for, for what? The, the pride of going back to your old club. He's, you know, Fash would probably say that he is an East Fife fan, but he's not a diehard. He's not yeah. he's not one of us. You know what I mean? And, and to, like, to, to be if, fair, though. Fife fan, I'd, I'd, uh, you know, I've, I would give anything to play for East Fife. 100% anything. But I'm sorry, but maybe not with Kelly because I'm hating them. But if it was another club came up to me and went, really, we're going to give you 15 grand and more money weekly, you know, you'll be able to look after your family. It's, you know, it's, it's head versus heart, but sometimes head's got to win. So if Kelty came to you and said, we're doing a new official podcast, we like what you've done with Glory Days of Gold, we'd like you to be the host of this podcast, we're going to pay you to do it. No. Really? <laughs> yeah. Jeez, uh, I would. So if you're listening, Kelty, it's like, let's lay out the, the equation, get in touch. Yeah. Uh, Michael's a brain's mind. <laughs> I'm just a mercenary. I'll just go wherever anyone wants to pay me. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, we've made it abundantly clear, Michael. I'm not here for the money. I'm here because of our legion of listeners that, that keep me going week in, week out, and fill my sack in the mailbag full with brimming questions. But enough of Michael and I talking absolute nonsense. Let's yes. all hope that the 
um, League One and League Two players come back. But get in, in touch with us on social media. If there's any of the lower league players that you would like to see coming in, who would you like? I mean, I, I've mentioned Ian McShane that went to Darvall, great player. Um, I, I mean, there's there's loads of players. I mean, there's got to be some good ones in the Highland League though as well that then might look at going to the likes of Cove or something. So there's that risk that you're then you've got opponents bringing in some really good talent as well. But like I say, there wasn't any chatter about that at all. And then obviously I mentioned it on, on the Twitter page. So hopefully we're at the, the forefront in this and, and Darren and Tony are already making calls and inquiries that if we get that, um, the go ahead and go. Because I, I would think the Lowland League clubs, some of them could probably afford testing, but a lot of them will not be able to. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So we'll just need to wait and see how that goes. But the other thing Fingers that crossed. Is, is Jack Hamilton's not, not played in the last couple of games and never even made the squad in the most recent one. Yeah, I mean, you don't know. It could be like COVID related. It could be injury related and they're just not saying anything. I think it's not that he's out of favour because he seems to have done well in the games that he's played. So that I think there has to be something a little more to it, maybe. I don't know. Let's they are in a good run, Livingston, just now. Yeah, and by the way, let's maybe just talk about that and what an absolutely fantastic job that the guy Martindale is doing there. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the, in terms of a new manager, he's only behind the likes of, uh, I think it was like Bill Struth, uh, Martin O'Neill, in terms of the first run of games that he's had and being unbeaten. That's, that's, I mean, considering he played Celtic in there as well, that's an impressive feat. Yeah. I, did, did you see Livingston's tweet about them getting to 10 in a row? Yes, love that. Quality. I love yep. some good official club banter. A lot of fans don't, and they think, oh, you shouldn't be entering into stuff like that. But, of course, we know old firm fans, and I think Celtic fans have shown it a lot this season, don't have much of a sense of humour at the best of times. No, they love it when it's the other team, but, you know, they can give it out, but can they take it back? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's just old firm fans in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. But every season, it does seem that some team just, like, comes out of the pack. Kilmarnock, we had them doing it. Motherwell's done it before. Hibs have done it before. It's Livingston, it seems to be, this season as the, the breakout team. The problem seems to be sustainability. And a lot of it then is when they do get top talent, it just gets poached by either the old firm or some of the, the lower league teams in England. So it's tough for clubs like like Livy to say establish themselves to say the third best team in Scotland or fourth best team in Scotland because folk just come in and nick all the players yeah look I, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that I like Livingston obviously the ties with Anglin. oh I hate them um, you know I, I hope that the, the arse falls out of them when they get relegated but um, you know it, it wasn't that long ago that they were in our division we, we beat them um, or we were unbeaten to them in four games and knocked them out of the cup um, so look <laughs> I was at that game. Yeah, and Nicky Patterson, I think, with a free kick, um, an absolute screamer. Um, so I think that, yeah, fair play to Livingston. You've got to give credit where it's due, but equally I couldn't care less if the, if the loss next week. I know. It's just it, it would just be nice to have a sustained challenge to the old firm that can kind of... I mean, Aberdeen, you, you thought maybe they just need to take that next step and they've never taken that next step well they, ne they never really invested in the squad and I mean 
I don't think that McInnes will last there much longer. I think that... It's amazing he's lasted as long as he has, really. Yeah, I mean, he sort of just seems to be there by default now. Um, and I, I don't think that he ever recovered from not getting the Rangers job after being touted with it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But, I, yeah, I think the, the long and short of it is that we'll, I can't see us um, there being a team to, to challenge the old firm. Not for, a, not for a long time, anyway. Which is sad, but... Who cares? That's top flight football. We're not here to talk about that. Nope. But what we will talk about um, is a, an upcoming interview. So going to bring to you an interview with Craig Johnson. Um, I, I actually thought instead of Telstar this week, we could play local boy by the rifles. You know, Jamie was a local boy and he's seen much more than a you want, I will dig that out for us. Yeah, I just I, I actually wanted it for a fascist one. Um, and then I forgot to tell you. I just thought it would be good. But anyway, yeah, so we're going to bring an interview to you um, this week with Craig Johnson. So played for East Fife in his, his early youth career in the under-16s, signed from Kenway um, back in July 2010, made over 120 league appearances, over 140 in all competitions. Here he is, Mr Craig Johnson. So delighted now to say that we are joined by a man that spent four seasons at Bayview. Local lad, went on to captain the team. Overall, made 120 league appearances, 140 appearances in all competitions, scoring 18 goals. The one, the only, Craig Johnston. Welcome to the show, Stoney. Thank you very much. Better known as Stoney. Stevie Crawford, when he actually signed me, when I went to play there with a, a trial match, Dunfermline Reserves, East Fife Reserves, it was a, the first game of Wednesday night, and I got in, we done the warm-up, and he's like, I'm not being cheeky, he says, but like, what's your real name? I was like, oh, it's Craig Johnson, he's like, I just know you as Stoney. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the first time I'd met him, and it was like, just didn't know my name. Oh, that is so, superb. Oh, see, that's, that's, it maybe shows up his scouting a little bit. <laughs> well, I think he's scared, to be fair, he's scared, it was a Friday night at Bayview. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Scottish Cup semi-finals, I think, I think the night I got that phone call was maybe a few beverages. So, we'll basically just go through your, your career at Bayview, a little bit from before, a little bit from after. So, I, I guess we were starting this, when we, we started doing our interviews back in May, this was one of the, the first questions that we were asking people, and then we kind of got away from doing it as life didn't get back to fully normal but it got a little bit back to, to more oh. nor- normality but back in lockdown again how how's things for you in lockdown are, are you working at the moment you furloughed just uh, now I'm, I'm working now uh, the very first lockdown it was oh it's a nightmare I just sorry to start with the sun was shining but then after three four five weeks it was just like you lose every oh, bit of routine you just went back to work but mm. that was a bit of a killer Obviously, the, the kids are off the of school as well, that homeschool, and I'll tell you, that's no easy. <laughs> they never had that when I was at the school all day. Uh, but, I, had, I don't know how my folks would have done that, actually, with, with homeschooling. Uh, I'm thinking well, not, honestly, not very well. I went back to, like, some of the stuff that my oldest, Ali, she gets, if I went back to that, I, I think I'd struggle, to be honest with you. It's totally changed. And, and like I say, I'm only, I'm only 36, 37 this year, so I would have struggled with that. But uh, it, was, it was tough. 
first six weeks and then obviously you just keep thinking to yourself it's going to get better it's going to get better and you get a wee bit normality getting getting out getting to do bits and bobs and then like I say back into lockdown but we've fortunately we've managed to keep working this time so I mean, that yeah that's good that that's, helps well, with well, the, well, the mental health side of everything yeah, as well oh, got a bit of a routine so at least you're getting up for someone in the morning you're going to work you're coming don't get me wrong you're not doing much when you come back but everybody's in the same boat we just need to hopefully stick it out and we'll get back to some sort of normality whatever that may be sooner rather than later yeah my wife's delighted at the moment because i've finally got around to to doing things around the house that, that i've wanted to do for ages i actually put my dartboard up last night it's 13 years it's been sitting in the corner <laughs> in one of our bedrooms and I finally got it put up last night so that's going to be me occupied now for the the rest oh, of the lockdown you've got some of the best direction in the kill household scene for a while oh so, <laughs> let's talk some football now um yeah. what's your kind of earliest memory of, of football like we know you grew up being a Rangers fan and yeah. did you get to actually go to to many of the Rangers games? Did you, did you go to any East Five games? Who was kind used, of your football hero growing up? Yeah, I used to, to be honest, I got, I got to a few a few Rangers games, but I also, I had a few, I went to a few games at Old Bayview as well. Ah. I, I, used, I used to just lived at the bottom of the hill. Nice. And as we, used to, like, as we were walking to school, and I used to walk past it every day. And I just always remember, like, remember the wall as you were going past the, like, the road? Yeah. Walls, it was kind of leaning over. <laughs> yeah. I was one of my like one of my memories about that was like it used to just lean over. I was like, "Can that's go for do? I think that's old, eh? But are you? I we used to go up there sometimes on a Saturday afternoon. Me and my wee brother and friends and that would just go up because at half time you got in for free. Yeah, yeah, they so, just opened the gates. The yeah, I, you got in after that. So I, like, if I wasn't through, think I'm wrong. I wasn't at Ibrox every week. It was just occasion because too far away. Eh? Yeah. Like most most of the time, we went to a few East Five games, and I think well, I'm sure I'm pretty sure if I remember right, we went to the first first game at New Bayview. Was it one now against? Was it Forfar? I think Dumbarton. so. Dumbarton. Was it Dumbarton? Dumbarton. I'll, I'll admit uh, if I'm wrong, but I'm sure it's Dumbarton. Right, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the one uh, one nil. Yeah, because Barry Muffet got the. Was it not like a clearance or something in it? Hit off him and went in or something. Aye, it like hit off a part of his body. I can't mind what, uh, but it, it was to his foot anyway. <laughs> no, definitely no. I just because I, rem- I still I remember that game because I remember like everybody was buzzing about like New Bayview and take it wrong. I think it was probably the coldest I've ever been. But aye, it's a it's a cold stadium. I mean the the old <laughs> one, like mentioning the wall. It's like that's one of my memories as well. As as sad as I was <laughs> to leave that stadium, when you did walk down the road that, and you saw that wall, you're like Jesus, that's. Time. Was let's like say we used to we stayed at the bottom of the hill, just at the bottom of bottom of the bray, for the doctors, cross the old doctors, and oh yeah, we walk up past there, got to Kirtland High School every day, and we used to obviously think, I think of that was still standing. So did, of, did you have a footballing hero growing up, someone that you aspired to be like? Eh, not really. I just to be honest with you, I didn't really start playing football until I was maybe eleven, twelve. Because back then it was like it's no what you've got now. You've got all your fun force for like four, three, four year old. Whereas back then you didn't have a team. And the, the first like didn't you? I think it was under 11 so I'm pretty sure. Seen an ad in the paper. And I was like, oh, players wanted. And I was like, oh, mom's like, what do you fancy going? Because I used to, I would just run about with a football. I'd be across to the supermarket. I'd be everywhere I went. And I took a football and I just, I was just football daft. And then 
obviously I went up there and I was like 11 and then I used to love obviously when I went and watched like Rangers Paul Gascoigne and Brian Wildrop were, mm. were different class and then obviously as I got older like Barry Ferguson was like one I actually looked at and thought you know, like he could like, seriously play the game and clever not just it's alright having ability but he was, he was clever as well so I I know you were kind of involved in the, the East Fife youth team setup at some point, and then you, you went to play yeah. amateur with, with Kenaway. But yeah. when when did you kind of get the first inkling that you, you had what it took to play at a slightly higher level like that to make it into the senior game? Uh, well, I was at East Fife when I was like under 16s, like 16, 17, 18, and then like stupidly, obviously, like looking back now, thinking, what was I thinking? But thought I knew better and was like, oh, I want to go and play football with my, my, with my mates and that. And I was like, obviously looking back now, I think, why did you do that? Because I, I genuinely believe if I'd stayed where I was, I probably could have, I'm not saying got into the first team there and then, but maybe kind of in a few years, kind of maybe got, started playing senior football a wee bit earlier, but it wasn't to be. And then, like I said, it's not really anything I thought about until like, I got that phone call for Stevie Crawford, but I, I just thought that your time had gone. I was 25, 26 almost, Thinking that I can, you, as a as a young boy, you just all you want to do is play professional football. But you think to yourself, well, it's not going to happen now. Can you're like when you're 18, 19, 20, you're like, fair enough. But no, 25 year old, you didn't think it's going to come. So I always believed that I could maybe can obviously not at the highest level, but always can I had belief in my ability that I could I could go maybe go play a bit higher. But you need somebody to take a chance, eh? so yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough that somebody actually took the chance. And, Give me a shot. I mean, I I like I love non-league football. I I like watching the lower level teams, and I've watched a lot of junior football in my time. That's how I first started going to games. I used to go and watch Glenrothes yeah. juniors with my granddad. The the amateur game in Scotland. It's not something I've seen a lot of. Funnily enough, now that I've gone to Canada, I actually cover the local amateur league here, and I do videos and stuff for them. And I've really got into my amateur football, but. Yeah. What, was, what was it like playing for, for Kennaway and uh, what was the amateur scene like? Uh, really competitive, really good level? It was it was decent. I the, the standard was it was alright. Through here in Fife wasn't so great. But uh, we used to I got I was lucky enough to get selected. We went through and played for the Scotland amateur team. I was selected, I think I got maybe I want to say what say seven or eight caps. Like, amateur level, but it's still so when you went through the West and played teams through, like some of the players I played against, they don't know Danny McKinnon played with Hamilton, and I don't I yeah. don't know where he is now. He I played in the same Scotland amateur team as him, and he went on to captain Hamilton. Then there was a few other players who like went on to play kind of like lower league football as well. So the standard when you got to that was was really really good. The- the I like I remember Norton House because I remember they had some yeah. games at Bayview and I remember their their run to the the final and stuff. This was yeah, a question we... someone asked us on on Facebook. It, it was Doug Perry that we have on the show. When you think back to the guys that you played with um, at, at amateur level, even when you went back and you were playing like at juniors with with yeah. Kenway, is there any guy that you think had the ability to take that next step but maybe just never? Got the opportunity that I played with. Yeah. I was, to be honest with you, there was boys that had like real ability, like uh, Ian Ian Brown, Bomber Brown. He played with Rovers at a young boy. Done the same thing. He's like 
just lost interest and then didn't play. But he played centre half and he could have easily played at a higher level. Well, no, as in like lower leagues and stuff. Yeah. And the same, uh, there's a few boys that you've played against and you like think to yourself, I don't know why they're not playing at a higher level. But like you say, it's just you're needing somebody to, somebody to take that chance. And let's say we were fortunate enough, like with that. The only reason it come about is because we were playing the Scottish Cup, the Scottish Cup semi-final against John Chapel at Bayview on the on the Friday night. So that was the only reason that it really come about. If that didn't, if we didn't get to the Scottish Cup semi-final, I probably would never have played for Eastleigh. That's it's interesting, like the how fate kind of defines what happens for you, yeah. really, in a way. But I mean, that did lead to your your step up to the seniors with East Fife. Stevie Crawford mm-hmm. brought you in. So, yeah. I mean, you've, you've touched on it that that was how the move came about. He probably saw you playing that game. So, I mean, after that, how how did you end up signing for the team? They, they got you in for trial, I, I would guess. And we, then... Yeah, we, I come, like I say, the Friday night, it was actually Big Ovi. Big Ovi phoned me on the Friday night. And like I said, I did a few... We'd just been beating the Scottish Cup semi-final with, obviously, the night we planned. I did a few beers before me, and I thought he was winding me up. And I was like, aye, I pass on my number thinking, aye. So, the next day or maybe the day after... Stevie Crawford phoned and I'm like, oh, all right, is this a wind-up? He's like, no, it's real. So he's like, I want you to come along and play in a, a reserve match against Dunfermline at East End Park. So I went, I went along, like I said, didn't really know my name, I had to tell him. And then we, we played that. We actually like, we played played really well. We won 2-1, managed to get a goal. And he was like, oh, I really want you to come in for pre-seasons. Is it something you'd be interested in? And I was like, oh, of course, 100%. So then he gave me the dates, come in, done a full pre-season. Nothing was really said until after pre-season, but like, you kind of get a feeling, like speaking to the boys, can you train him with that? And they're like, oh, what, like, when are you signing? I'm like, oh, he's not said nothing. He's like, no, he's definitely what he's saying. I was like, well, until he tells me to sell him, I'm not going to take anything for granted. Eh? And I think it was a uh, Dan Dare, Jason Dare, coming and says, look, Gaffer's on holiday, but he wants to sign you as long as there's no like, anything ridiculous demands or that. I was like, no, no, but nothing on my side. He says, We'd be looking to get you in, so that was it. Full pre-season. He says, "Look, I want you to come in. I want you to sign." He says, "I can't guarantee you any game time." He says, "I'm taking a chance on you coming for this amateur level." I says, "No, that's fair enough." I says, "I appreciate that." I says, "Obviously, I'll do what I can to try and get in the team." And then it just went for there. Signed like a one-year deal. And we we took it for there. So it must have been a sort of strange experience, like dealing with somebody like. Stevie Crawford has, has played at you know pretty much the highest level as you can in Scotland and a national cap. How did that feel for you? Like, because I mean, you're similar ages to me. You probably grew up watching Stevie playing for Scotland. I played for Scotland, I ah, you like to yourself. Was, to be honest with you, see when I got the phone bill, for and text me, and I, I thought, all right, fair enough. It's kind of, obviously the game's been there, but just somebody having a laugh. And then when Stevie Crawford actually phoned, I actually thought I still thought it was a wind up. I was like, he can't be phoning me. Why would he be phoning me? And then, like I say, it was just, it was brilliant. Can like to actually go in like t- twice a week and boys like that. Scott, I'm sure, say Scott Crabbe was still there at the time. Yeah. Crabbe and Dan there, it was just like, it was like the level that went up again. Obviously, I was, went, I was just training Tuesday, Thursday with my amateur team, but the standard, the, that, this, like the standard, the training, that was different again. So I was like, I need to, then I need to actually try and show up here and see, see what's going on here. And do you feel that, that that really caused you to, to sort of raise your standard? And, and did you think that training with guys, I know this might sound like a stupid question, but training with guys like Scott Crabb, <coughs> sorry, Jason Dare, guys like that, do you think that that brought the best out of you? 
I think it probably did. It made me like I was thinking to myself, this is like this is my only chance. I'm no probably not going to get another chance to to make it in senior football. So it's up to me anyway. And I think what did help is I was still fit because we had just finished the season with Kennedy. I think we played on the Wednesday night. I think we played like fifty odd games that season, and we went straight into pre-season on the Saturday. So the boys were coming back for pre-season, and I was like, we'd maybe had four, five, six weeks off, and I've come in still fresh, like can still fit. Yeah. And I've just kind of kicked on for there. And I was like, this is my chance. It definitely improved. Like training, maybe took a couple of weeks, I thought, personally, just to get up to speed weekend, like with training and stuff like that and what, what they expect and that. But like, after that, it was just like, everything just seemed to flow. Everything was everything was fine. Until about Christmas time when I kind of blew a gasket, I was like, my legs have gone. Yeah. But it was just because like, I continued right through. I didn't have a break at all. Yeah. But let's see, the first like six months was just... Like go to training, do the best you can, and, and it helped. It he, he had a bit of belief in me, and he gave me he, he gave me a chance, and he, and he he I think I played pretty much every game while he was there, so that always helped as well. Can like if you're playing like week in week out, you kind of start gaining confidence for then. I mean, the boys are in around the team that time, you know, the Bobby Lynns, um, oh. Dev Muir's, you know, we had, we had a good a good team under Craw as well. Definitely, we had a right good side, and to be honest with you. Surprised that we never maybe done a wee bit of better than we but they came with the players that we had came looking back now thinking like if you if you put that team back on the part now be a right good side. Yeah, definitely. So Aye. you initially joined us as a left midfielder and then you sort of got converted <laughs> to left back as the as the seasons went on. How did you feel about changing the, the position that you're maybe comfortable in? And was it something you were happy with? To be honest with you, I've I'd played left back like all my life until I went to Kennaway Amateurs and then I, I kind of moved forward into centre midfield or left midfield forever. So going back to left back was just, it felt natural as well because it, was it wasn't any different. But uh, that come about, I'm sure we were playing, I'm sure it was a, uh, Juki was the manager and I'm sure it was a, uh, Cookie, he was, he, he was away on like some course with, with a uni or something and he was like, oh, I need you to play left back this week. I'm sure we were away to Peterhead and the, yeah. the Ramsden's Cup or something it was. And he's like, you sure you're not a left back? I was like, well, I have played there. He's like, well, you're kidding. I'm like, no. And then that, that kind of, that season, they just, I think I played the whole season there, left back. And I had a, a, a decent season, to be fair. So, so it, was, it was natural to me, because that's like where I played, like growing up, that's where I always played. That's, it wasn't until I went into, like maybe got a bit older into the amateurs, and then they were like, can we can probably play a bit further forward? I was like, I probably could. Well, all the best players play left back. We all know that. So, um, <laughs> we're gonna... all the best players are left footed, apparently. But I don't know about that. that. that mate, that's totally true. That's totally true. So <laughs> left footed, gonna... oh, a hundred percent. One footed. <laughs> so, <coughs> you played under quite a few managers at your time. When I was looking back at your, your career, so just to name them, a, a whole fleet of them. So. Um, there was obviously Stevie Crawford, John Robertson, Gordon Jury, Billy Brown, the Lord and Saviour himself, <laughs> Willie Aitchison, and then Danny Naismith. So, yeah, one of, one of them kind of stands out more than the other, really, when you have a list like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's some great names in football there, and, and Willie Aitchison deserves to be at the helm, and I'll not have you say anything other than that, Mike. Oh. Um, it's blasphemy, remember that. So... First of all, John John Robertson, for me, I felt, was the first manager in a while that took us up a level and really had us challenging. What were your thoughts on when you worked under him? 
I thought he was good to be fair to start with he was he was really really good and like he, he come in he was clear he, he, everybody knew exactly what they were doing he just wanted to play as 4-4-2 high press go and get at them and and we're like we had the players today and I thought we were done really well we just I thought we were unlucky that season to miss out on the playoffs because I thought we had a right good a right good squad and yeah, uh, I mean, the, the the Robertson time for me was the first time in a long time that I kind of felt oh right we we've got a chance here aye aye we've got we've got a good uh, manager and think, you know we've we've got a chance to run at the playoffs until probably now that Darren Young's in. Yeah. It's the first time that I've sort of felt right. We've got something that we could get on here. They just feel like going into the season with a bit up like thinking like, yeah, we have got a chance here. No, yeah. definitely. Even like when the players funded, uh, Robo was getting was getting the job. It was there was a buzz about it because you look at his his, his record for, the, for like in the past. And it's like he's got a decent record to getting teams promoted and kind of winning stuff. So you're like, and this is a big this is a big move for the club. It's kind of some ambitious move as well. So. I think everybody was uh, really, really looking forward to it. And like I say, I thought we weren't far away, maybe. Yeah. Just one or two games shy of making the playoffs, but we gave it a go. So I'm going to give you a chance to, to fanboy now. So <laughs> briefly, we had Gordon Jury, which as a Rangers fan, that, that must have been really special for you. Uh, Juki was about the club, obviously. He used to come to a few games because uh, Scott Young, Juki, he was there all the time. Mm-hmm. But when he actually like come into the club and was just like buzzing about and got like eventually got the manager job, it was just like it was like surreal. Because I'm just thinking, right, Gordon Jury's played for Rangers one nine in a row. He's done this, he's done that, and I'm like, he's telling me what he did. And I'm having like conversations with him, and I know it sounds daft, but because like, I'm a big Rangers fan and I've never had that. Everybody, everybody kins that. For me to like, for him to be phoning me and like just be like. I've got his phone number on my phone. It's like this is this is weird. I wasn't expecting that two three years ago when I was playing with Kenny Amateurs. So to have that, it was brilliant. And to be fair to Juki, Juki was absolutely brand new. We'd never even even like after he got Noel and he left, and that he still kept in contact. And that a really really nice man. Maybe yeah, I'm a bit biased, mind you, but well, if you've still got his number, go and give him a text because we're absolutely desperate to get him on the show. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll, well, I'll ask him. I don't know if he'll. Nice, good lad. He's, he's, a lot of people speak really highly on him. So, how would you sort of describe maybe Juki's management style? Would you say he was a bit more of a man manager, or was he more sort of tactics and technical? It was hard because he, let's say he wasn't in too long. Because he wasn't in too long, but he was really, really good with the players and uh, tactics and that as well. I wouldn't he say he was as tactically as like other managers we've had. I think he was more like can being about the boys and because that's that's just he was that kind of person. Every you couldn't know like him. Even if a player wasn't playing, he would still find a way to like you liking him because if you're not playing, you're you're not happy. Yeah. Anybody that tells you otherwise is is lying. And then obviously you want the team to do well, but you want the team to do well when you're playing. But he always seemed to find a way. Everybody just seemed to. Let's say I think if you asked everybody that's played under him, I don't think everybody would have a bad word to say about him. That's, that's pretty much been the, the general consensus, definitely. So, I mean, after um, Jury left, we brought in Billy Brown. Um, so, <laughs> the, Billy, the Billy Brown thing, I, you're probably going to know what I'm going to come on in, and I'm not going to try and use the word struggling. Um, <laughs> the, the fans hated him. He hated yeah, the fans. I got that, aye. <laughs> what, what was your memories of Billy? Billy, to be fair, me personally... Like some of the things he done and some of the things that he said, I, I, I didn't agree with. 
But for me personally, as a player, he's, he seemed to he seemed to show he, no show me a bit of faith, but he, he seemed he seemed to like me a wee bit, and I always seemed to play under him. And I remember, I think it was the last game of the season. I'm pretty sure it was the Peterhead. Is it the playoff? You see the manager still then? We won. Yeah. Just to stay in the league. And I yeah. remember sitting speaking to him, and he's like, "Look," he says, "Don't worry about a new contract." He says, "I'll look after you." You've done well for me. You've kept us in the league, and I'm like, I'm thinking, look, and that's perfect. That's another year I've got. And then all of a sudden, it all changed. And I'm thinking, to him. so I spent like the next two, or three weeks thinking, like, what's going on here? Yeah. Is there going to be a contract? Is there not going to be a contract? And Rangers are coming into the league. It's, it's a massive, it's a massive time for the club. But nobody knew. But as as a manager, he was he was different. He was different. But some of the things that he would say and he would just come away when you're like I don't know if he actually really wanted to be there all the time Can mm. no in a bad way but I was just like he was used to managing or assistant manager at a, kind of a much higher level and I don't know if he just he just didn't really know what to expect Well I don't know if you managed to have a listen to, to Div's one and this is a question I asked Div after his infamous rant that he had um, <laughs> when he took the, took the mic at half time and had a go at the fans How embarrassing and, was that by the way? Oh, honestly, we were in the dressing room and we could just hear like the the, the tannoy going, and we're like, "Where's the gaffer?" <laughs> and he comes storming in, like, "What? The... Oh my god!" Yeah, unbelievable. Um, aye, the less said about Billy Brown, the better. But let, I'm going to ask. A, a <laughs> I don't know. Rest. It was fun. Like I woke up that morning just checking Twitter, seeing the score, going, "Oh, what? Billy Brown's trending." I wonder what's happened. <laughs> oh, the guy was an absolute clown there, but. He has this rant after the game, which even as a fan pissed me off because I'm thinking, what sort of management manager are you that this is the way that you go about it? But he's saying, you know, he's he's, he's pacing about and he's going, this oh, is all we've got, this is all we've had, and I'm just a bit uh, like, you know, you're you're essentially attacking the quality of your players uh, in an interview. If 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 you're a player and you're he- hearing this absolute moron. Going at you is how how do you react to that? Like, what did the players say to each other? I think like the players were just like in and like in shock and just like laughing at each other, thinking like this hasn't happened because like you say we've left the game and like the week we wake up the next morning and maybe check like Twitter and Facebook and that and like I say all these sending you videos of Billy Brown that he's walking back and forth like he's possessed and like that. that's embarrassing. That's your that's your manager and he's in there absolutely caring every single one of us. Yeah, obviously because he was. That's the way he felt at that time. He was obviously angry and emotions run high. You always sometimes you say stuff that you probably shouldn't. Have, but he just kept going and going and going because even at half time we thought right. He said his pieces come back in. He's like, I doesn't matter what they think out there. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? He, he just lost the plot for like that whole day. And the players were just like, he's not interested in us to be honest with you. But at the end of the day, you've got, well, we still had a job to do. We still had to try and well, obviously we're in a relegation battle, so we had to try and still stay in the league. And like whether you agree with what the manager's saying or or no, nobody wants to be in a team where you get relegated. So it was mere personal pride. Me personally, it was more a case of like when day the best you can for, for you, no for no for him. Whereas there's other managers where you're thinking, I'm gonna try everything I can, like for him as well as you know, obviously for yourself. But but after he said that, it was just a case of he's not interested in us, so at least you weren't struggling, pal. No, <laughs> well, I, I was struggling. I was struggling, but I mean, that's all I've got. <laughs> but it's gone down in, 
in like folklore. It's like folks still Everybody, talk about it. So they were speaking about it for weeks and weeks, and they're like, "Oh, you're the boy." And I was on the building sites, and people were like, "Oh, you play for these fighting? What about your manager? What's he been saying?" And I'm just like, "Oh my god, I can't do this. This is wild, man." I was like, "Oh, he's lost the plot. He just he's gone." I don't. I don't know I... If it was pressure, or I don't know what it was, but he, he just lost it. I had folk messaging me that had no interest in East Fife over here going, oh, I saw your manager. And it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you say to that? But he, he did keep us up. And yeah, th- there was yeah. we've talked about that game against Peterhead. What was that game like from a, a player's perspective? Was it a kind of nervy day? I, I mean, apart probably from the, that semi-final, I, I would take it that was probably the biggest game you'd, you'd played in at that point no definitely it was when we played them I'm sure it was 0-0 at Bayview because like, we knew they were flying and like we had gone into the game like no in great form we weren't, weren't playing great and you're like I would say well maybe we'll get slight underdogs can, to win the game because they weren't there been doing that well and like, I remember the game at Bayview I'm thinking they're a decent side big, like big Rory McAllister and that can absolutely crack and play like Minty just like be strong and that's probably one of the only times that I'm going to give Billy Rune a bit of credit is he made a, a big decision on the day. Like we played up there in the, the remember Bobby Barr? Mm-hmm. He dropped him for the starting 11 on, on the day. And I was like, Bobby was thinking like, what was that all about? But I think he just wanted to go where people are just going to work and work and work. And I remember getting the early goal, I'm sure it was Div's header to a corner. Any... Absolutely right. I was. I, I. I. don't know about you, but I. I felt that Dev was so instrumental in that game, and and not just in that game, but the lead up to it, because he got the captaincy Aye. for Billy, Aye, and he just brilliant. picked us up and, and by the scrap the, the sort of scuff of the neck and and really just, made a difference. It was. It was probably like even through the game. I. I, I still remember to this day, like every time, because they had a few corners and that, because we got the goal in the first half, and it was just like it was just like a back to the wall kind of job, like just. Defend, keep a clean sheet, and, and you win the game. And I remember, like every time I was in the post at corners because I'm, I'm not the best in there. But and I just like think to myself, right, please, Denny, like please don't concede, please don't concede. And every corner went past, and like, right, that's fine. And it went again. It's like as the game grew on, you were like, can, we can do this, and you started to get a bit of belief that we were going to actually hold on. It wasn't a, probably wasn't a, any of our best performances there in the four years I've been there, but it was probably one of the satisfying that we actually managed to to get out of the line and can do the job because. There were a few fans turned up as well that day, which was brilliant. Can you know as if it's just fucking five minutes up the road. Yeah, I know That's it's a long years. trek. <laughs> so like to, to reward him as well. And I know you shouldn't be celebrating like staying in the league, but at, at the time when when that whistle went, it was just like my eye. That's a, been a long, long, hard season, and we've managed to stay in the league. So I it was it was good, like but very, very nervous that day. Yeah, I know it, it was a big, big time for the the club to to stay in the league with everything that yeah. was happening. Going on, aye. football and yeah. I mean, when we look back, like your four seasons at Bayview, you you had some big name managers, like we talked about. You you've had like a relegation thing to 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 stay in yeah. the in the division. Then you're there as well for the the Lee Murray years. You, that four seasons that you were there, a lot happened a few, in those four seasons. Aye, there's been a few, aye. a few managers because even the managers there, permanent managers, there was boys who were in there like just temporary charge, like Brian McNaughton coming with Bob Malcolm. He was there for oh, a bit. Yeah. Gordon Chisholm took the team. Billy Dodds, Billy Dodds was there for a bit. So it was like you played under quite a few. So it was. It was yeah, different. it was it was certainly strange times, and 
Oh, 100%. I, I guess one of the strangest things, Willie Aitchison getting the, the job where he, he was appointed. I read that and I was like, oh, who's he? And I'm thinking, I'm just over here. I'm a little bit remote now. Maybe I just don't know I'm who he is. Sure. I, I don't think you're the one, to be honest with you. No, I'm Googling it and I'm like, I still don't know who this guy is. I'm pretty sure he was like a, he was something to do with a youth coach like years and years before that or something. Maybe 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 wrong, but what was the mood of the players like then when he gets unveiled as your your new manager? It was it was it was different because like no everybody was kept on. Like every year there seemed to be a big massive turnover of players, so there maybe only like a handful of players left. And then. Mm. He got this job and like what what to go in for like I still remember it clear as day. Lee Murray was there with like Willie Aitchison, Gordon DL, eh, I'm sure Robert Cargill. And there were four or five people in like this wee meeting when like like talking about like contract like renewals and that. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, this is I've never I've not been in the game that long. I've only like when I signed for his life, but I've never seen it done like this. So usually you go in with the manager, you speak to the manager, the manager like goes and speaks to his chairman or whatever at the board or and then he comes back to you like this is this is what's on offer, or can we kind of get you this, or we can get you that, like whatever. And then you make your decision for there. But I remember just when I first started doing, there was five of them sitting at a table, and I felt like I was like at an interview. And I was like, this is no. And he's like, do you want to have five minutes to go outside and think about it and give us your answer? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I says, no. I says, can I not get back to you like like tomorrow or that? Nothing to do with money or that. I just didn't feel. I don't know, it just didn't feel normal. Mm. Obviously, I wanted to stay at East Fife and I was, there was never, it was never a case of, oh, I want to see if I can go somewhere else. It was like, obviously, there's a contract there, I'm, I want to sign it, but I just, I needed to like try and like get my head around it, like, what's going to happen? Because we're talking about like, going full time and that. Yeah. Because they offered me, like, they said to me, oh, we'd like, we'd like you to come in as a full time contract. And I'm like, well, that's like really not going to work for me because I work full time. So, so I would need to give up my job where I've got a full-time wage to come in and sign a full-time contract here and I says I'd be losing money right away and it's, I wasn't playing football because of the money but it just didn't make sense financially for me well yeah because I could stay as a, I could stay as I was part-time player Tuesday, Thursday game Saturday and I could still work so that was a thing as well because he was like you kept pushing for like the full-time contract and I was like nah it's not a thing for me eh? so eventually we agreed that I would sign a part-time contract and then, and that was that. But it was just all a bit surreal. And even like the, the players that come in, there was a, I'm sure there was a load of French boys come in. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, this is strange. Yeah, you had like Christian Nadi coming in, some of the other guys who so I can't even remember now. The thing it was promised, like, oh, Christian Nadi's 100% signing. And like, Christian Nadi's not played football for like six months. And then he brought in, sure he come, his brother come across, Kevin, Kevin Nadi, he come. Um, Alexi, was it Alexi Duto, oh, Wee Manny, yeah. there was four or five, and I was just like, this is, this is strange. And then obviously the he brought players as well. Cedric Tuta. Uh, big Cedric, by mm-hmm. the way, what a unit he was. Uh, he used to just post uh, pictures and eat on our pizzas all the time. Seriously. <laughs> 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 I thought he was going to kill me one night at training. Kids oh, really? Uh, he was like massive, big friend. Didn't he speak up the English? And I'm, well, I'm me, I'm, I didn't like getting beaten if it's training. And I was always, I was quite more I admit that I was, I was crabbit sometimes, but I just wanted, I just wanted to win. And I didn't think he was working hard enough in training. And then I had a go at him and then he started and went back. And we just, all of a sudden we had this big, like massive row. And I was like, Danny, come. I don't know what he was saying, but 
I think it was along the lines of, if I can get my hands on you, I think I'll kill you. And I was like, I'm so glad he never got near me because he was massive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Stoney, but you're out of 50 to 1 for that scrap. Standing behind like three players thinking, like, I go, I, I'm arguing back. I'm like, I didn't even what he's saying, so I didn't even what I was arguing with him. And so, like, please don't let him get near me or I'm fucked. But so, what was, the, what was the dressing room like then at that time? Because we've had some issues out here in Vancouver in previous years where they'd brought in a lot of South American guys and then it became really cliquey. They were all kind of sticking together. I, I do media stuff out here and I get to go to training. And you noticed it at training. Yeah. They'd come off the pitch and you'd have all the English speakers getting their boots changed and everything in one bit, all the English speakers, Spanish speakers separate. And you're like, yeah. this does not look like a United dressing room. Is that how it kind of was a bit at Bayview with the French guys and, uh, and yourself? To start with, to start with, it was like, obviously you try and make them feel welcome. Huh? Pre-season, I had agreed, like when I'd signed, I said, look, I'll agree. They said, look, even if you come in pre-season full-time. So I'd agreed, so like, I was working, and my gaffer was Eric Davidson, who was my manager at Kenny Amateurs as well. He says to me, look, if you want to go in like, for like, a couple of weeks just to, to see how it goes, I was like, well, what day is I got the Monday off work, so I trained Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and I had the Friday. I was, I was working Friday because the Friday they just went in and done like light stuff, eh? So, like the first, maybe most of the pre-season I done that, and it was like the gaffers at Nice and going like, make sure the French boys are welcomed in that, and it's and it's and it's difficult because you didn't speak, they didn't hardly speak a word of English, so like you're trying to speak to them in that, but it's like in time, it's just like they've obviously they'll sit. And their wee and their wee group, and they'll they'll talk amongst themselves, and like those the world can. It's not like oh, they, we don't talk to each other, but there is a, a sort. It's when they say a divide, but it's like mm. it's like if I went to a foreign country with like three of my Scottish mates, I'm there's nine times out of ten I'm going to be sitting talking to them rather than yeah trying to. And, it, and I don't think it's in a bad way, but if I'm being brutally honest with you, I just I don't think that was ever going to work. No. Lower league in Scotland, it's it's not a place for people who are going to like look nice on the ball and no work and oh, God, yeah. saying they didn't work. But it was uh it's it's League One, eh, with Scottish football. You need to roll your sleeves up and you need to know what it means. And I don't think it was ever going to work. The no the players coming in and the fact I don't think the full time personally, just my opinion, but I don't think the full time was ever going to work either. No, we've we've spoken to a few other guys about like we had Dave Beaton on the show last week and like back in the Archibald days, Archibald wanted the club to go full time and that would probably have killed us. We might not even have a club today if we'd done that. We might have done been another Gretna. And I guess we were kinda well, lucky under Lee Murray that we maybe didn't go under because I know things weren't good after he moved on. No, and I'm not surprised because like obviously players talking that and some of the contracts that the players were on, like full time contracts. And like after the three months, that full time thing was gone. So there was nobody training full time. There wasn't any facilities to train full time for a start. So all these players that were on these contracts full time were training part time Tuesday, Thursday, same as everybody else. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you're spending all that so, money, and you're not even getting success out of it either. No, definitely. I just I don't think it's. I don't know. It's obviously it's a club thing to decide that, but I don't think they were in the position at that time to to be going full time. That, but that's just my opinion. Well, I mean, one of the guys that did come in ended up taking your place at left-back. So you've got Gary Naismith coming in. So you've got a ex-Scotland yeah. international. I mean, how, how did that feel? I mean, you're losing your place, obviously, to a legend of the game. 
but it must obviously mm-hmm. have pissed you off as well because you had been doing well in that position. Like you, like I say, you're, you're you're never happy when you're not playing, and like I say, it's it's just one of the things you want to keep it doing well, but you, at the same time you're still that you're you're pissed off that you're not playing because that's all you all you want to do is play. But at the same time, Gary Naismith's come in; he's a Scottish internationalist. If they decide that they want to play him instead of me, they're not really like, oh, I can do is try and work hard in training and try and get back in the dream somehow. And to be fair, it did happen, I think. Um, I'm not sure how long Willie actually lasted. Is it three uh, or four months? Yeah, I was going to say something uh, like 13 oh, weeks I uh, had in my head, but yeah. Because I'm sure, I'm sure like when when, when Gary Neesmith came in, I started playing a couple of games in centre midfield. Okay. I played a few games in centre midfield and I was like, that was different to me again. But it was just one of the things. Eh? Like if they'd yeah. asked me to play in right back, or that, I would have done it. But it was just one of the things. But I mean, that that season is another one of, of the weird seasons because apart from was, us having all those players and all the money getting spent, obviously Rangers are, are in the league. And like we've talked about you being a Rangers fan. How surreal was that for you going to play at Ibrox? against the team that you've you've grown up supporting? I remember the, the very, very first one. I'm sure it was... The Rangers weren't even in the league at the time. I'm sure it was... A, I think it was after the... Maybe the Peterhead, the cup game. We played oh. Peterhead one day at the season. Jukebox was meant to be a duty was the manager. Yeah, it was a League Cup game. It was we the first, first game, game as the, the new... Back at Ibrox since, yeah. they went, since they went down the leagues. And I remember that thinking, can it, it'll, be, it'll not be that busy. Because I've been to games, like midweek games against lower league teams and it's you know, maybe 30,000, 35,000 people and it, it's loud, but you wouldn't think it'd be that bad. That I, like, I just remember like when the game was starting, walking out the tunnel and I'm like, the, the, the place was full. It's like 52,000 people and the noise was unbelievable. And I've been there on Champions League nights and you think, oh, that's loud, but when you're actually on the park, it's... It's, 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 not, maybe it sounds a bit cliche but it's totally different and it, maybe, I'll be honest with you it took me 5-10 minutes to actually take it on mm. before I actually settled into the game and like like thinking like, I need to watch what I need to concentrate you know that I wasn't concentrating before but I need to like properly get my head on this because it was just like and I've got mates in the crowd who are shouting at me and <laughs> a bit of wave and then I'm like I can't be waving back to you I'm, I'm here to play football uh, right, that atmosphere by the way that game as an East Fife fan, was unbelievable. Like, absolutely. It was crazy. Aye. It was like, yeah, a, yeah. the only way I'd be describe it is like a Champions League night. Yeah. I don't know, obviously it wasn't a Champions League, but it was the noise that you, when you walk out the tunnel, it was just like... I'm sure the up. official attendance was 42,000, but it was Phil. It was it No was chance, aye. It was just for like half a gate money or something that goes to the end of the club, so... Yeah. Uh, it was only 42,000 because I'm sure I've seen a thing that they were like pay, pay at the gate and that as well came on the night and yeah. it was I remember looking around and thinking Look, I can't see an empty seat obviously there's a couple here or there but if there's 10,000 people on that stadium you would see it uh, maybe maybe we should tip off the inland revenue <laughs> hey, 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 hey. come on come on spoil it for us now we so- eight, eight and three quarter years for this <laughs> Yep, that'll be a 22 point reduction for Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, never me then. I wouldn't put anything past the, the SFA, the way that they're handling things at the moment. Like, wow. j- just want to ask you one thing about the, those Rangers games, because obviously 
you made the papers because you got the bus home with your mates. You got the sports <laughs> bus home after one of the games. Now, yeah. it didn't go down well with the East Football fans. You must have known you were going to get pelters, surely. I know. Just, like, see, like, looking back at it now, like, didn't he go, didn't he go, didn't he go? Just, like, but at the time, I'm just thinking to myself, right, I've just played at Ibrox. Big Rangers fan. Just cut the team at Ibrox. My mates are all texting me saying, what are you up to? And I'm like, well, I'm sitting on the bus waiting on the chairman coming down. Like, oh, come for a pint and just come here with us. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like an odd bad idea. And then, like, I says to Brian, the new physio, I says, how long are we going to be? He's like, oh, maybe about half an hour. I don't know. I was like, is there any chance I could just nip down to Paisley Road and like, some of my mates in the pub and get him with him? He's like, aye, aye, that's fine. I didn't tell him, but like, it was obviously on the bus. <laughs> but at the time, I'm just thinking, aye, that'll be fine. And nobody will see him, but... I. It's probably looking back at something I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have done. But but when you explain I, it like that, actually it makes a, a lot I don't of know sense. If, I don't know. See if I was in the same position again. I don't know what decision I would make because I was still, I know we'd just been beat and let's say with the greatest of respect, we're not going to Ibrox expecting to, to win. But I just, I was still on a high actually having played at Ibrox. Like, and, and it was like, it was the first time I was there as captain. The first time we were there I was just playing, so they actually lead the team out at Ibrox, and like my mates are all texting me saying, "I oh, come doing the boys are asking for you." And that. I was like, oh, "It doesn't seem like that a bad idea." But looking back now, aye, it's, it's <laughs> probably something I shouldn't have done. But I think I we've forgiven you now. That that. <laughs> well, I think some of you have. I'm not sure everybody, but hey, <laughs> that's life. Uh, time's a healer, mate. I'm sure that there's a there's a lot of fans that. That will forgive you for that. And uh, like, oh, definitely. Like I say, it was just it was just one of the things. Eh? It's I just like I, said, I wasn't even thinking. Probably wasn't even thinking straight. Just and even the fact that like the chairman and that, they were all still upstairs, so we could have been sitting there for ages. Yeah. So I was just like, come on, I can get a couple of pints and thank everybody at Kinsme Kins that I've never had the fact that I do like a few pints after a game on a Saturday. But it's like I can get down get a couple of pints down the road with my pals and just talk about the game and that. So can to see what they get an opinion everybody and that and just. So I, I just thought, I that'd be fine. But obviously, that was something <laughs> maybe shouldn't have done, shall we say. On behalf of Glory Days of Gold for coming onto the show and giving your side of the, the, the story, we'll forget <laughs> you. Um, appreciate that. It's all right, it's all right. We're, we're, we're good. Not many people will, that listen to our show might think that, but generally, <laughs> we're not enough people. Right, well, uh, if anybody's listening, I, I do apologise. I promise it won't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll just, I'll quickly tell you a story that I got pelters for, which is kind of similar, but not in the same way. One of the things with media here is you're allowed to go in the dressing rooms after the game. So yeah. two years ago, Vancouver's big rival, Seattle, they won the MLS Cup. I was down there as media, so I went in the Seattle dressing room after the game. And then there's pictures of me like... It looks like I'm celebrating with the Seattle players and the champagne going off and there's me with a big nice. smile on my face and I got pelters for that. Aye. I always got to stick up for him there, but I <laughs> <laughs> nah, just stick the boot in, Stoney. Just stick the boot right in. Uh, nah, you should never have done that. Uh, I was sticking the champagne as well when I came out, which probably didn't help. <laughs> well, I, I think when I got him, I was sticking the vodka and beer, but... <laughs> Well, like I don't think any. <laughs> I don't think any fans will, will be still holding it against you all these years later. But I would like to think no. But like I say, it's like that's it's, that's done now. It's no, it's, 
Snow number. I never, I never had fair. I've just at the time I said, look, I, I made them. I you owned right. it, so yeah. Aye. Fair play. And you've explained like, why, and it, it makes when you say it the way that you say it, it does uh, make a lot of sense. At the time, it was just. I'm just thinking I can go down there, have a drink with my mates, and I can just double still. Probably on a wee bit of high, even though it'd be just being beaten. Although that might sound stupid, but just one of the things. Yeah. So, since you're playing at Ibrox, then did you manage to get a shirt swap with anybody? Uh, Lee Wallace. I got Lee Wallace's shirt. The I can't mind what game it landed. Maybe was it maybe the first or the second game? I think it was maybe the second game that day. And uh, Ian Durant is how weird it was. Ian Durant comes chat him on the dressing room door because Ian Durant he drinks and the pub in the district. I don't know if he owns it or he drinks in it. And the the boys that go into the bus there can really parley with him. So he chapped in the door. He's like, oh, I'm looking for Stoney. And I'm like, eh. somebody's like, oh, hey, Ian Durant's looking for you. And I'm like, nah, this is another wind-up. And goes out and he's like, oh, there's Lee Wallace's jersey. He's like, well played today. He's like, I'll see you later on. And I was just like, Ian Durant, like, I, I didn't really see him playing in, in the flesh, but I still remember watching videos. I'm an absolute brilliant player. Yeah. Like, legend of the club and I'm like, he's chapping the door, like, asking for me. I'm just like... And it was the boys in, off the bus that had uh, set it up, kind of said, like, can after the game, go nip in and give my shirt. And I, just, and I was like, can that's, that's brilliant. Oh, well, at least it didn't come out of your wage packet then, because normally that... There was talk of that. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, well, HSN was like, I am going to have to find you two weeks' wages and that. I'm like, well, so are you being serious? He's like, I... Because I was on, it was a Sunday night. I was on the way to Edinburgh on the train. And he phoned me. He's like, please tell me this is not true. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, you went home on a bus? I'm like, aye. Aye, a Rangers supporters bus. And I'm like, I was like, I, I did, aye. I says, I'm, I'm not going to hide it. He's like, oh, I need to speak to you on Tuesday night at train. I'm, going, I'm, I'm probably going to have to find you two weeks wages and you have to write an apology on the, on the, on the, like, on the website and that. And I'm like... Jeez, oh, is this a bit? <laughs> what, what, what's actually happened? I like, Nibdi's died. I was like, I've made a mistake. This is a bit. I said, I'll speak to you on Tuesday. Eventually, obviously, I never got fined two weeks' wages, but I don't know if he was just maybe saying that just to maybe, I don't know, maybe give me a fright or whatever, but I was thinking to myself, fucking hell, two weeks' wages for some quick, like, going, like, the way I seen it, I was, I was going in with my pals, but I could see where he's coming from now, but no money exchange hands, unfortunately. <laughs> Brilliant. So obviously, hallelujah, that clown got the, the bullet. And like we said, <laughs> I don't think you're only one thinking that. Oh, honestly, I remember we had Stevie Campbell on the show, and he was the first player that we really had from from that sort of era on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, he, he just like I've known Stevie for years, and he's never yeah. been one that minces words anyway. But he started no, the book. Never been like that. He's <laughs> talking about cleaning, and yeah, I think that that, that was the resounding feeling in the, the majority of fans and, and probably players as well. I'm pretty um, sure he actually had a, his laddie Kenny. I'm sure he was doing some sort of physio thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was coming playing for the reserves one night. Yeah, that's true. And I'm sitting like, because I used to go to a lot of the reserve games because he would like he wanted to come along and just like maybe help the younger boys and that. Maybe if I need you to play something, if I hadn't played the week before or whatever. And I was like, I am. I'm standing like to myself, like this physio is going on to play in the reserve match, and I'm like, what the? F-? He's lost it. He's gone. Yeah, it's it, unbelievable. It, it, it was a unique case. I mean, was, some of the some of the boys we brought in as well were terrible. Oh, Ke- Kevin Nadi was peak, and he was terrible. Oh my God, um, Kevin Nadi. Cyrus just, Musavi, remember him? Oh, I'm no. I didn't want to like like 
cane somebody, but this boy was I'm sure he, he probably should have been like a like I don't know, some some sort of bodybuilding contest. And he was so fat, it was unbelievable. He'd run through where he wanted, but see as soon as you chucked him a ball, it was like yeah. a different player. It's like that was a shit way. He won't just chuck him a ball because he, he could run all day, but yeah. he's better than a man or something getting forty stone. Because he was yeah. he certainly wasn't a football player. But he played a few I was like, I just, I think that job was maybe just, I don't think he was ready for that, to be honest with you. No. I didn't really know what he was doing. It's like, well, I would think somebody picking up, like, chat man and just thinking, well, I'm going to be the manager of, like, Man City or something. Just think, I just got to do what I want. Yeah, and I think I would probably do a better job than Willie Hitchson, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, aye, well, aye, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, eventually... We had a sort of duo, uh, Robbie Nielsen and Gary Naismith, with Gary then taking the job sort of yeah. permanently. But then ultimately, Gary couldn't save us from from suffering the relegation. But in the time yeah. that you worked with Gary, what was your, your impression um, as a manager? I think right away, like when him and uh, Robbie Nielsen come in and like the training went for, like, because like, the training had always been like pretty decent. And then it kind of, I'm not saying it wasn't a great, under Willie, but it was wasn't. It? Then when they've come in, it kind of went to another level. Yeah. And I thought Gary, I thought Gary, was, I, I didn't agree with everything that he'd done and everything that he, he said. We, I, we had a couple of conversations, but at the same time, I respect his decisions and and what he done was obviously because what he thought was 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 right. And obviously he's went on to prove that by they going on like they win the league and stuff like that. So a lot of respect for him. I didn't, I didn't like I say I didn't agree with everything that he'd done and some of the things that happened, but. At the end of the day, as a manager, I I think he was a he was a, a, a decent manager. And so he went on to prove that, but like the success he got, uh, success he got at East Fife. So you, you've said stuff now, and you, and you can't shirk away from it. What what sort of happened then that you weren't happy with? Because you didn't sort of stick around for long under Gary. Was there a clash of personalities? Was it? I don't know if it was a clash of personalities. The the biggest thing it got to me was I was playing like pretty much every week, and then. He come in and he says, like, nothing's going to change. He says, you're, you're still a big part. You'll still be the captain. You'll still be this. He says, brilliant. And then it gets to January and he pulls me in his office. And I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, oh, Kelty Hearts are wanting you. And I'm like, all right. He's like, hey, can do you want to go? And I'm like, well, no, really, no. I says, I'm happy here. And then I want to go. At the time, Kelty Hearts were still just a junior club at the time. Yeah. And I was like, no, I didn't really want to go. And he's like, all right, fair enough. And then, couple of weeks went by I kind of started to no play and then he, like, just before the end of January they called me in again and he was like hey, look, look the club are thinking that the best if you went to Celtic can't play games and that and I'm like right, that's fair enough I says that's your opinion I says but my opinion is I want to stay here and, and try and get back in the team he's like so you know what to go I was like well basically no I says I'll be available for you if you want to play me you play me if you don't want to play me you didn't play me. It's, it's your choice. I'm not going to hold that against you. I says, but I'll be at training every week. I says, I'll try my best. I'll get everything I've got, like I always have. I says, and if you want to play me, that's fine. If you didn't, there's no hard feelings. He's like, all right, fair enough. Shook my hand and I walked out. And then I never played like a few games. And I was like, I, I'm, one night I remember I went to Brecon on a Tuesday night and I wasn't even in the squad. Maybe even on a Saturday. I think it was maybe the Saturday. I wasn't even in the squad. And I was like, can that's. I thought I deserved maybe a bit better than that. I'm not saying I was the best player in the world, but I always gave everything I had. And I would like to say that, well, I like to think that I'd done no too bad when I was in. Let's say, not the best player we ever had, but I gave it everything I got. And there was always, you always got 110%, no matter what was going on. So I thought that was a bit 
and it kind of stuck in my throat a wee bit. But at the end of the day, I says, he's still the manager, it's his decision, so there's nothing I could do about that. And then the Tuesday night, he pulled in, he says, look, I just want to apologise, should, you should have been in the squad. I was like, that's fair enough. I says, look, I say, nothing's going to change for me. I says, hey, this, as long as like you're still here and I'm still here, I'll, I'll still, I say, still be training, I'll still be getting everything I've got. And then for then, I think I'm pretty much sure, not 100%, but if you look back, I think I played every single game for the end of the season, started every game. Because he kind of like says, look, I'm, I'm sorry, I could have made a mistake. I don't know what happened in January if he maybe just wanted to bring in somebody else in. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But it just seemed like I felt personally. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Gary will say different. And I've not got a bad word to say about him because like, I do I respect his decisions. And he's obviously done that because that's what he felt was right. But I felt like they were just wanting, the, wanting me to leave. Can want me out of the club. I was like, no, nah, I'm not really. Can I, want to, I want to be at his five. And then obviously played every game end of the season. And then they come to the the end of the season and he called me in and he's like look he says I think we'll both agree that there's there's not going to be a contract there I says no I says that's totally fine I says totally respect everything you've done and it has, let's see he's a good manager and I can't take that away from him I just I don't know if it would be got a clash of personalities or maybe too similar but it just didn't really seem to work out between between us kind of, as, as a player and a manager yeah. as a person brilliant I not got, not got really got a bad word to say about him as a person but as like a player, like for the manager relationship, it wasn't wasn't too great to be honest with you. Well, it's funny because in his interview that we had with Gary, it was one of the first interviews we'd done. He said it was a difficult decision to move you on. Yeah, and, no, and I, and I get that, and and I respect. Like I said I've always respected. I, I didn't agree with his decision that I, I wouldn't be playing because I always, but I always think I should be playing whether I'm right or wrong. But I respect that because, like I say, he's, he's played for Scotland so many times. He's, He's played in the he's played in the Premier League. He's played in the, the SPL. So, can you how could you how could you disagree with me? So I respect that decision, but I think we both kind of knew at the end of the season that it was going to be one of the ones where look he wants to take the club in a different direction, which is fine. But that's that's that boy. That's kind of played the, I'm big enough, and I'll go have to realise that if the manager wants to go in a different route, well, that's that's just what happens. Eh? And like I say, I, I told him at the time, I said there's been a hard feeling shoot his hand and. With a respected decision, which is which is life. But before we move on to the shape part of your career that probably people will switch off on, there's been the time that you left. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know sort of your overriding memories then in your four years at Bayview, captain of the club, playing for your local team. How how do you surmise that? When the first let's say right away, it was just like I actually had because I used to always think, like I say, even walking up to the school, and as a young boy, think, oh, I'd love to play for East Fife. Because like you think, as you're a wee kid, like, wee boy going up to the school, you thought like that is like that is, well, that's professional. That's like I'm a professional football player if I get to play in there. And so for that to actually happen, that was it was brilliant. And to be honest, see, to be honest with you, I can't really fault the time I had at East Fife. I had a great time. And see if things were different, or see if I'd been offered a contract at the end of the season, I, I would have stayed. I can see if, as long as there was a contract there, I would have been there for. For as long as they wanted me, I would never, have, I wouldn't have left like to go anywhere else. Thinking, oh, I'm going to go here because I've got an extra twenty quid. I'm going to go there. I would have been there as long as they wanted me. But obviously, that's the way it ended. But I just, I loved every single minute. It was, it was like a dream playing for your local club. It was, I was, I literally stayed along at Dury Street. I was two minutes from the stadium. I was, I could walk to train. I could walk to home games. So it was, I it was brilliant. And so even, but when obviously when I left, it was a bit. Wouldn't they say? Obviously, I was a bit, I was a bit gutted because it had come to an end. But 
but I think these things happen. But no, nah, definitely looking back here the four years, I wouldn't change anything to be honest with you. Some great Funny. memories, some like really some like good highs and obviously some lows as well, especially at the end with the, with the relegation and that. I mean, funny because I was speaking to my dad um, the other day and telling him that um, you were coming on and he, he was sort of like, where did he end up? And I, he, he doesn't keep up with all the... <laughs> I was like, oh, he went to Abro for a bit and then he, he went. He actually went on to be a manager. He said, like, I could see he would be a manager. Um, <laughs> and I was like, aye, yeah, I think we could all see that by listening to him being two feet away. Oh, um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was unbelievable. I think, yeah. Oh, aye. Yeah, and I mean, I used to say... Standing and, at the back at the Bayview, and I could still hear you. <laughs> so, when you said you I, I was like, "Fucking leather me!" But like, <laughs> I just that was just the way I was. Yeah, I just I was always I've been like, like right through, even when I was a young boy, even like, like, like the amateurs, and I was always. But then after the game, that was it. There was no, there was there wasn't, there wasn't a personal winner, but it was just just wanted to win it, and I would do anything I could to try and help the team get the results. Obviously. There was frustrating times because there was times we were not getting results and that, and I would like I would sometimes take it personally, thinking, "Could have I done me? Could have I done this? Could have I done that?" But that's just what you do when you're you're playing football. Always look back and think, "What could you do?" But probably nothing. I just I was just I'm, I'm only weak on so we say. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> eventually, then you, you did move on to Arbroath, and then you played yeah. with some, some former East Fife players, um, such as Bobby Lynn. Don't know if. Yep. Paul McManus was there when you were there as well. Uh, I got was up there. I used my car shared with him for the first year. Yeah. So Bobby Lynn, I don't know if you listened to his one. But he actually named you in one of the in the best eleven that he played with. Um, so, yeah, there's a compliment for you. Hundred percent. So, where where would you say then? Like at Ibrough, your, your work seemed to derail that move slightly. Nah, nah, definitely. Like I say on. After speaking to uh, Gary on the Tuesday night, I got a, a phone call for Bobby Lynn on the Wednesday, asking me that if I'd be interested in going up because he's a gaffer. It was a Paul Sheehan peanut at the time. Said, would you be interested in coming up? I was like, ah, I says, pass my number on and I'll speak to him. And it was all done pretty quickly. I think the Thursday he phoned me in, like by the Saturday, it was done. Because I wasn't looking for, I just obviously just left these five thinking, right, can go, but what did they do? Do I go back and play junior football? Did I do this? And then obviously that's come about. So it was. It was pretty straightforward for me. And obviously I knew Bobby Lynn, I knew Paul. So I was like, guy, that was done on a Saturday. And uh, we just went up and we, like, we, we signed on the Saturday. And then it was two weeks later, Paul Sheeran got the Aberdeen under-20s job. Yeah. So then I was like, fucking hell, what happens now? And he, and he to be fair to him, he phoned me. He says, look, the contract's done. He says, That's, you're, you're, you're a side player. Don't worry about can the contract not go on through or that era. So we just had to wait and see what happened, with who was going to come in. So it was obviously strange for me because I'm going up there as a new signing. This new manager comes in, Alan Moore, Todd Lumsden, and they're thinking, right, they've just signed you. But I'm thinking to myself, I'm not their signed player. Can what's he going to think? Mm. You don't know it. Eh? But to yeah. be fair, it was all right. I played pretty much, pretty much every game. Left back went left back again. Played pretty much all the time. And uh, I got an injury. It was the 14th of November. I remember it. I uh, snapped my medial ligament away to Sterling Albion. Yeah. And, that was really like that was pretty much the the, the downfall. Eh? I got, eventually I got back and I played like the last couple of games eh, the season. And then I got another injury the year after. Like Todd Lumsden was the manager, I got another injury. I was actually away on holiday because I was injured. I done the I done the other knee actually. Like the same injury. And then he got sacked and then Dick Campbell came in. 
which was fine. Obviously, I was, I was still injured at the time. I got back for the, I think it was like the last six games of the season. But obviously, Dick was coming in. He wanted to get to know the players. And obviously, I was injured. So, like the last six weeks, I barely played. And I actually said to him, eh, I think it was a Thursday night, we're training at Dundee. I says, look, why am I not getting a game? He's like, well, you're injured. I was like, I'm not injured. I says, I've been fit for six weeks. He's like, but you're not fit. I was like, I'm as fit as anybody in the team. Because at the time, I was still, I was a wee bit skinnier back then and I was fit. And whether we discussion and they played me the following Saturday away to Elgin, 3-5-2, wing back. I think it was just to try and prove a point. Uh-huh. Like, 70 minutes later, I've got cramp in both calves. And he's like, I, I told you you weren't fit. I'm like, all right, all right. So you're not, I was never going to win with Dickie. Yeah. But it was actually it was decent. But like I signed another another uh, contract up there, and it was in the summer. I started a new job, and I was going to be working till like six o'clock at night. So, by the time I got for there to train, I was going to be late. And I was like, I just I phoned them up, and I just explained that I'm not going to be at training all the time because I can't make it all the time. Like we're working that. I was like, obviously, if I'm not going to be training, I'm not going to be playing. I says, and that's not going to benefit any of us. I says, so it's probably best if I just. Like can not leave as such, but can like just cancel that contract and I'll just maybe find the club closer to him. And to be fair to Dick, he was like, Oh, like that's fair enough. He says, If anything ever changes in the next few months, he says, Get back in touch with us and we'll take you back in a minute. But it was just just one of the things they work kind of got in the way of that. Plus, the travelling as well, the travelling wasn't great. It was all right when Shagger yeah. was there at that because your car sharing and then the second season we were. Um, I was on. I was going myself. So you're going to shoot between Perth on a Monday and Dundee on a Thursday, and then obviously your home games were up at Arbroath, which were just over an hour away. So it was a lot of travelling just on your own, eh? which kind of made the decision a wee bit easier. Well, I mean, after that, you went back to Kennaway. By that time, they were a junior club now, having merged yeah. with, with Star Hearts. D- yeah. Was it weird going back? To, well, I was going to say to that level, but you'd never actually played junior football. I mean, what, no. what was it like then going from the seniors to the juniors? It was different. It was different. Like the the demands, the demands in training and like the demands in game were a bit different. It helped a wee bit. The Kevin Byers, he was there. He played the mind. He played really in Vernes yeah. and for breaking in that. He he was already up there, so it kind of helped that he was there. But he was the same as me. He like he was demanding. Like things for players and that, and it just it was kind of, it was it was kind of some uh, different, but like the demands and training and stuff and the the standard and the tempo wasn't as as high. Wasn't saying it wasn't as good because there were some really good players on that team, but it was it took a bit of getting used to, like. But yeah, it was slightly different. I, I mean, you touched on the management side of things. Is that something that's always interested you to to go into that side of? The game? Um, I had a wee taste of it, like. When I was at Kennaway, because believe it or no, like when I'm my first the first game when I went to Kennaway, uh, I fractured my ankle in three places and I ruptured the ligament. So I've not really like fair turn thirty. I've not really had much luck with injuries, and that's kind of <laughs> so like that whole season I was out for pretty much the whole season. So the manager at the time is like, "Would you mind doing some coaching?" And I was like, "Aye, that's fine. So it keeps me involved." So we done that like for the whole season and it was good because it was like the boys were doing really well we got promoted up to the like the Premier League up to the Super League and the Junior mm. League and the, the first season I was there obviously I wasn't playing but I still felt like I still felt part of it with the coaching and stuff and then uh, Eck he took he took no well so the club 
uh, asked me if I would take the team just in the meantime until we come back. And then I was like, it's not something I really thought about, but it was kind of like put up on me. And then obviously I decided he wasn't coming back and the club were like, oh, we want you to take the job. And I'm like, uh, I felt like I was in a position where I had to say aye. But I thought it was too early for me. But I took it anyway and I was still a player manager. But I think I was there a year and a half, almost two years as player manager. But looking back now, I wish I'd said no. Like, mm. just not. And just continued playing because, like, my my playing career kind of suffered for that because I was concentrating on trying to play, trying to trying to manage. And it was I was making mistakes on the park as I was playing and I was making mistakes as a manager that I would have maybe done different if I wasn't playing. Ah, so it's, I, it's tough because you see the game differently on the pitch from watching on the side. 100% because I noticed that like the first season I was there obviously I'd been injured and I've seen loads of stuff for the side and you've not seen that when you're actually playing. So you're making decisions that are probably, I'll admit, I know probably know the right decisions at the time because you're not really seen it properly. But I, I was kind of, like I, I knew Kenway and you Star Hearts and I was really surprised when they decided to make the jump to the football pyramid because yeah. I, I know where they play and it's like such a small pitch it doesn't really seem like football right. league level right. and it's a an absolute, it's basically just a field that's been cut yeah apart on the biggest slope you've ever seen I mean what what's the ambitions of the club do they well, want to become a proper football team so. or honestly I think just when I was there we were well, so we were a junior club and I wanted to kind of go like to the next level was a like I thought right, if I'm going to stop playing football here I want to I want to be at a club where they're going to match my ambition like maybe go into that and like go as far as we can like mm. so I went and I was asking for players and I was asking for this and I was asking for that but it's like I got the impression that we're happy just to like no plod along but just happy can where they are just yeah. surviving just playing games every week and, and I was like can that's not really what I want to be doing if I'm going to be a manager. So, like, that decision, like, a year and a half, two years I was there as a manager, and I thought, I eventually just said, no, I'm not, at the end of the season, that's me. I don't want to be the manager anymore, basically, and I'm going to leave the club because we're going different directions. But then, talking about the pyramid system, I think, I don't think we had a choice because every other, like, junior team around that area, they were all going uh, into this. Yeah. So, we're going to be left basically away. There wasn't many teams left and it was it wouldn't really be a standard and you'd struggle to get players. So I think that, because the club were always against it when I was there, but I think the decision was kind of taken out of their hands by everybody else going into this East of Scotland or pyramid system or whatever it is. But if I'm being honest, I don't think their ambition is like maybe a Kelty or a Warnerig. I don't think their ambitions are as high as that, but I think they just felt like they had to join that league just to, just to keep like, surviving and keep competing with the players and the teams around about this area. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, what what are you doing now? Then are you still involved in the game? I've um, I was playing amateur, but I've like literally about three weeks ago just told the manager that that's me retired because like we played the first season, everything was fine, and then obviously COVID, mm. so the season got stopped early. So the season stopped in the March, and then we went back. Obviously, when we got back to some sort of normality, we started the season again. But I hadn't, I hadn't kicked the board or anything for like the following March. So we looked, so it was maybe about six, seven months. And when I went back, I just felt terrible. And I was like, I got to the stage where people were running by me and I'm just like, 
I wasn't embarrassed, but I'm thinking, I need to either get myself fit, because I'd always been fit. I was always a fit laddie and kind of, I could handle myself and that, but I just didn't feel that I had the, the motivation or the the will to actually go and get myself fit, because I knew it would have took a good like six to eight weeks to actually a proper hard work to get myself fit, and I just I didn't feel that I had the, not, not so much the desire, but just like the motivation, plus the injuries were starting to creep up, the knees were starting to hurt again because of the two injuries in the ankle and that was sore. So when we trained at the Astro, I couldn't train mm. because like the next three, four days, I was, I couldn't, not that I couldn't move, but I was just, it was actually starting to affect my work in that as well. Eh? So I made the decision that, obviously the, the, season, I don't think the season will start again this season for like the amateurs and stuff like that and the junior teams. So I just decided that that was, this would be the time for me to just call it a day. Take up golf, I think. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. The, the amateur league here stopped in March. Then yeah. that was the end of that season. Then they brought it back in October. They managed to get yeah. six games in and then it's suspended again. So for those yeah. guys to try and stay at a level. We were, and we were pretty much, we were similar with the dates. And I was just like, I tried to get back to, like, I just went straight back in. We played two games and it was just, I just felt miles off it. And I thought, I'm not doing myself any justice. I'm not doing the team any justice. It's like, that's me. I'm just going to call it a day. Take it, man. If someone like, if, like the manager phoned me up and says, "Look, could you maybe play a wee one-off game for me?" Or that, I'd, I'd probably say aye. But it's no. I, I didn't really want to commit to to being there Tuesday, Thursday, and the Saturday. No, no, no. After what's happened, see if this if the season had kept going through COVID, like COVID hadn't happened, and we finished that season, and then we got a break and had another pre-season. To be honest, we probably would still be playing. Mm. But this is kind of kind of put a stop to it for me anyway. Do you fancy just, doing some coaching badges or? Um, I don't know. I, I really thought I was going to go into coaching. I'm not so sure if I want to be a manager or I really enjoyed like the coaching side, being on the pitch and kind of, like, with the drills and stuff and like, hands on kind of getting involved with the boys. But when I became a manager, like player manager, I kind of felt like I had to take a back seat for, for all that, like getting involved. And I, and I like a laugh and a joke with the players as much as anybody. So, it was difficult for me and like the experience I had there probably I say too early for me because I was still playing and it's kind of it's kind of put me off a wee bit now I'm not saying I never will in the future but at this moment in time no really the new not which I, as I always thought I would be right into being like the coach and stuff you know, if if someone come up and like it took my it took my fancy and I'd be like maybe but I'm really enjoying my golf now, so I think that's maybe made my priority. <laughs> well, that's it from me. We're going to get to Lee's favourite bit now. Yep. But yeah, if you want to hit us first of all then with your best 11 you've played with. Played with? Right. Honestly. Two goalies, I wasn't sure. Uh, Bruno Michael Brown and Big Mark Ridgers. The two that I was at East Fife. But two cracking goalies. Mm, two cracking goalies. Uh, Rogers has obviously went on to he's at Inverness, Inverness. He's playing every week up there. But I'm gonna go for Big Bruni. Probably just because he was a right good good friend of mine as well when we were there, so he gets the he gets the number one jersey. And then we're gonna go uh, across the back, we Juki right back. Yeah. And he was there for the he was there for the four years that I was there and I just loved the way that he. Uh, he, his enthusiasm for the game and like he was always trying to attack and I just like I liked the way he played and Mister Consistent he always knew what you were getting you were never getting a, a really bad game 
he was always at a steady seven, eight out of ten. So there was him right back. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember uh, Willie Aitchison when he come in? Remember Greg, was it Boozid, Big Ismail Boozid? Yes. Come in and played yeah. a couple of games. By the way, what a player he was. Uh-huh. He, I don't know, he's not on my team, like, but I'm just saying if you remember him playing, he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think we had him for like two games and then he got aye, like, a, a proper games, move. They got a proper move, aye, but aye, I, just, I just remember I was thinking about that there. But uh, centre half, I'm going to play Div at centre half. Only right. because I can't get him into the midfield because I've got a few in there that I, I like. <laughs> okay. So I did, along with Ricky Little, Fair Grove, yeah. centre half. Yeah, good player. He's probably one of the most underrated players I've seen. And it's only now that he's starting to get a bit of credit with him being in the championship and games in the tail and that. But he's, he's another one that's like so consistent and really, really good player. Did Led you back, play with Julian next to Beguerin or was he after you've played? No, I never played with him. I never played with him. I'd, I'd yeah. imagine he'd make a few teams. Uh-huh, he's a good player. I never really seen him playing. I played against him when I was at Arbroath. I'm sure year he played. And I remember yeah. thinking that he was uh, really, really good. But uh, left back, I'm going to go for Gary Naismith. Hofted. Which, obviously, he's like Scotland at a national. played with Everton, played with Hearts. And, or like, just a, like, an all-time like really good player. Even at that age, he was still... He was still top draw. Got it, Bobby Lynn. Got to talk about Bobby Lynn. He's got to make my team. He, uh, he's going to play on the right. Probably one of the best players, like ability-wise, that I've played with and against. I used to hate playing against him. I can see him on your wing all the time. Or not. I played against him like 1v1s and it was just like one of the days like, I'm playing against Bobby that you need to be on it. Eh? But on his day, he could be he could be as good as anybody that in the lower leagues championship involved. And to be honest with you, he probably could have played at a higher level. It's just one of the things, eh? Yeah. And then we've got in the middle of the park, we Darren Smith, remember we Daz? Oh, yeah. yeah. Love Absolute baller. Used to love we Daz. We Daz in the middle of the park with Stephen Hughes. Yeah. I know he was there for six months, but boy, he could play like I went with ballers in the middle, but boys that maybe kind of run, but we'll just pass the ball for fun. So I tell you what about Darren Smith though? He was a wee workhorse. You know what I mean? He he lost the ball, he got you back. Aye, and it wasn't very often that he lost the ball, but even like he was just he was so good, and he was like a really really good teammate as well. Kenny would he never really had. He wasn't one of the people who can have a bad word to say. He was just just an an all round like good guy and absolutely brilliant football player as well. And then on the left, we're going to go for Sloane's left fit, Rab Sloane. Probably one of the funniest guys in football. Like, doesn't even know he's been funny, just so dry and absolutely brilliant. But his left fit was an absolute wand. Anytime he used to score on BBC, it used to come up Robert Sloane as well. (laughs) Sloane. Absolutely brilliant. We Rab (laughs) Sloane. Absolutely brilliant. Some guy, he was... He was he was a, a serious player as well. Like I, I really like playing with him. He's actually, to be honest, he's the first person that's brought him up in the entire time that we've done the podcast, mm. and, and he's, he's somebody Aye. that maybe we give enough credit to because he was excellent. Free kicks, honestly, it wouldn't work as hard as anybody else. But see if you got him on the ball and like free kicks, set plays, and that. I just thought he was 
I thought he was, he was really, really, really good. Yeah. Up top, there's all oh, there was a few. I went Stevie Crawford. That was only for a few a few games that he played at the start of the season uh, when I first joined. Probably if it was John May's his overall career, Crawford would definitely be in there. But I've went with Shagger and Simon Murray. Remember Simon Murray? Aye. Uh, they went to Dundee United. Uh, and but him and the obviously Shagger was a story about Shagger. We used to like, we were driving up to train or driving home for training. I'm like, ah, you're gonna be playing this weekend. He's like, how was this? Because you've been shite at training for about three weeks. He's like, no, nah, no, nah. he says, I'll still play. Comes to the Saturday, plays on the way home. Like, I've no idea how you get a game every Saturday. And he's, he'll tell you this himself. So I used to say to him every week. I've no idea how you play every week. I says, because comes to training, all you want to do is muck about your food nonsense. I says, you're just an absolute burn. I says, but and it comes to training, you're, you're fucking, you're shite. He's like, ah, he says, but it's what you're doing on Saturday. Cause, and then it comes to Saturday, he was like a different player. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Everybody that we've had on that's played with Shagger has got a Shagger story. Um, oh, and I don't yeah. know, I, I, were you up at Peterhead where the fingers up the arse gate, or was that before your time? That was, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was just before me, but I heard about it. Yeah. He's honestly, he's unbelievable. He's, <laughs> he's, there was one night we were training at Bayview, and um, we were all, I, I don't know if he was injured or getting physical, and the next minute you heard, like, can the, the beep of the tannoy gone? Yeah. And then Shagger in that stupid voice that he does. Just started shouting stuff at the tunnel. We were actually on the park training, and we're like, Where is this coming from? Shagger's just up there, like, just shouting nonsense. Like, Oh, could you tell me where Bayview is? I'm like, What the? Fuck? <laughs> <laughs> absolute, honestly, the boy was a, in the nicest possible way. He was an absolute crackpot. Just space cadet, like. I think he's oh. the guy we've had the most stories about in all the shows that we've done. Unbelievable that. It's like never somebody, ending because it's like you've just told some just now that we haven't heard before. So it's like I don't know how yeah, many of these stories there are. But there's that many Bushagar. It's like you would forget. And but seeing it come to a Saturday, it was it's like you flicked a switch and he was unbelievable. Well, that was until like three o'clock. He used to come out to the warm up and he would just set you know like the big cones that you've got. He would just come out, set balls up on top of the cones and just start smashing balls at the goals. Not even warmed up, not even done a job, just started shelling balls at the goal. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, we'll be fine. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just like, it's like a big kid. It's like a big kid who just loved playing football, but he was a serious player as well, like when it came to a Saturday at 3 o'clock. Seems to have yeah. worked for him, whatever he's doing. Oh, definitely. He's had a decent career to be like. Good he's lad as well. Absolutely uh, wash it because he's, he's five fans. Um, he's had more clubs than Tiger Woods, right? But, oh, by the way, he was still hanging about there, like just... Because he was up training with the amateur team, he came up a couple of times and he was like, well, so what's happening? He's like, I'm maybe going to still an album. I'm like, well, Shaggy, you're about 38 year old. I said, you know what, I just get up. He's like, no, man, just got to keep playing as long as I can. I was like, yeah. all right, no, it's fine. Just like Peter yeah. Pan, I don't think you ever grow up. And here's one for you then, if you've managed to do it. Normally I ask people to do this one and then just go, oh, I didn't do this one. But um, best 11 against? Against? I've, had a, I've tried, honestly, I've been thinking about this all day. Because of like, I'm try- see, try to remember like who you played against in that. Yeah, it better just yeah. not all be Rangers players. No, no, there's only maybe Ten. one, two. <laughs> <laughs> there's only twelve. Is it not <laughs> no, a uh, big Rob Douglas and goals. Yeah, I used to one player that I used to always like. As a goal, you think this story. We don't have to be at it to try and 
so he was just a big massive massive unit he had a big presence as well so uh, he went for him in goals right back somebody who I personally like when I played left midfield didn't like playing against the uh, big Craig Barr played with Livingston yeah him I thought big he was guy. he was always solid and he played full back and I was like when I was up against him I thought right, I'm not going to get much change out of him obviously he still tried but I thought it was always a little difficult game against him uh, two centre halves I went for Big boy, remember is it Stuart Malcolm? Big boy, big boy, Forfa. Forfa, aye. Aye, yeah. went with him and Big Marv because he's an absolute unit and every time he got in that box you just thought he was going to score. Yeah. And he yeah. left back went for Lee Wallace who is probably one of the best players I've ever played against when I played that night. I don't know why Duke had done this to me but he played me right midfield. Yeah. Against Lee Wallace the very first game the cup game we were talking about at the start. Yeah. So for like eight to minutes I played against Lee Wallace he's a you're the fittest in the team as you'll be the match he runs forward and that and honestly I think I recovered for about four days after that <laughs> he was just he was like a train he didn't look fast and I've watched him on the telly loads of times seen him at games and that and I thought he, ah, he's not that quick but see when he gets going it's like power he just kept yeah. going and going and going and I'm like this was that was a tough night I can't remember for the life of me who it was that we had on that was a manager if it was it was maybe Gary Naismith actually, and he was across the touchline for Ali McCoist, and he said, "Right, Lee Wallace, run him." And Ali McCoist turned around and said to him, "Are you having a laugh?" Because like apparently Wallace is so deceptively quick. Oh, unbelievable! I didn't because I like I say I've watched him a lot, even on the telly and that, and I thought Cause he's not that quick actually. But see, once he gets going, yeah, I, I'm, I wasn't the slowest, I wasn't the fastest, but there was no danger. I was I was going by him or catching up with him. Like he was yeah. just so strong, and he'd done it for it was like I was in for eight like eighty minutes. I got the hook, and I was like, as much as I wanted to play ninety minutes, I didn't have everyone so glad to actually just got a rest. I bet I was absolutely fucked. He just it was like a train just going up and doing and up and doing, and it looked so effortless to him. But yeah. he's probably the left back. Yeah. Um, left midfield. Only played against. I think it was once I played against him. Played with Airdrie, Gary McKay, Stephen. Yeah, aye. Remember, I mind he played against Wee Duke, and I was like, away to Airdrie, and I remember after the game, I said to Duke, I was like, how do you feel? He's like, she's a dick, and he says, this boy just kept turning me. Because at the time, he was only young, we didn't really know who he was. Yeah. But he was absolutely fantastic that day. So on that performance alone, he's going to go in at uh, left midfield. Uh, he was yeah. over here with, with New York City. Yeah. So I, I spoke to him a couple of times over the last couple of years. He's like, I don't know how he got on there because he's got such a broad Scottish accent. Oh, he was. But when we when we were chatting, I'm pretty sure that other media had no idea what we were talking what about. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a bit like me. <laughs> he's nah, a he's just going to hearts. Just signed for hearts. Must be spending some decent money there. Mm. He's not coming back here for for cheap. Aye, because he was in quite a lot over here, so yeah. I would imagine so. But uh, he was a uh, that's like I'm sure it was only maybe once or twice we played against him, but I just remember he just sticks out as being a really, really, really good player. Yeah. Um, right midfield, I'm gonna go for probably the person that's given me the hardest time. On like a one v one is a Sonny Aluko. Yeah, and we played Aberdeen. That was before he was even like nobody really knew who he was. 
before he like went down England and went to, to Rangers and stuff, but I mind playing left back. We had just played we hadn't played for like months, maybe it was a bad snow we had. Yeah. And we played Aberdeen in the cup. I'm sure we got beaten like maybe four or five now. And like him and Chris Maguire would and uh, Paul Hartley. Paul Hartley middle part just absolutely pulling the strings. He's in the middle of the park as well, by the way, we just add him in as well. Yeah. But Sonia Luco was just frightening. It's like that five yards, he was just so so quick. His fast feet, and I was just like that's the standard because obviously we're playing at a, a decent standard but that standard the game was like another like just yeah. raising the level again eh? so I him in there Paul Hartley like I say he's middle of the park didn't he break sweat just pulling the strings middle of the park obviously they had been playing we hadn't been playing so I'm, that's my excuse I'm going to and I'm going to stick to it but it just looked so easy for him everything was easy it was like maybe two or three steps ahead of everybody on that night to be fair yeah. we did get a bit of revenge on him in the cup game like the, the following year so yeah, we never actually asked you about about that. That must be right well, up there with your, well, no, your top well, memories. Well, no talk about that. I was injured. Oh. Aye. I to be did. fair, it was a brilliant night. I was still up there. It was it was, it was was brilliant. Remember, uh, I'm sure there's a big Matthew Park. Remember Matty Park? Yeah. yeah. He, he, was, uh, he scored that night. I'm sure they've reversed it in the top corner. But aye, that was, that was a good night for the boys, like. Yeah, just obviously it's a bit bittersweet because you're no playing, but at the same time you're absolutely buzzing that the, the boys have got through. I'm then I'm sure we went to Kilmarnock in the next round of that cup. Yeah, got hammered. Got beat one. I got got. Well, was it one one or two now? It wasn't hammered, Lee. It was just yeah. Ah, it was, right, we got yeah. a big Robo, big Robo. We got set off after about eleven minutes. Yeah, and I'm like, oh no, Robo. I think was it Robo put me on. At half time, he's like, I want you to play left mid, but like, as a, a double left back, when you just like sand them like that. Oh my god, this is so hard. They just like they kept the ball for fun, they just battered us and battered us and battered us. What that mean, the 2011? 12. Uh, that would have been the second season. I would have been, well, maybe I 11, 12. Aye, because the first year, the first year we went up to Aberdeen, it was the, uh, I think that was my first season. Second season was a. Uh, I'm sure it was a. Uh, I did I sign 2010, 2011, maybe. Yeah, because I took sure my, my now wife to that game. Um, at Kilmarnock yeah. or Aberdeen? Kilmarnock. Oh, that, but, she was, how long did she not speak to you for after that? <laughs> I'm lucky because she actually likes football. Um, so it's, it's not. It's not too that bad. Not football. <laughs> I'm not always football. You're absolutely right. Well, she's um, still married, yeah. So it wasn't that bad. Well, yeah. She must like you. So who else have at centre mid then? Um, we Sean Byrne, mm. local lad. Yeah, uh, he plays. He was at Dunfermline. I played against him a few times at Dunfermline, yeah. and I'm right good pals with Sean. He, he just stays up in Kenway, and yeah. I just thought that for what he's done, like I've have I haven't played against him like one v one. He's fit. He's strong. He just he didn't give you a minute. He was just I thought he was brilliant and to go on to Livingston. He got released for Dunfermline. And he was kind of didn't he came out today. Went to Livingston and he's just kicked on for there. And I think he's been absolutely was it last season or the, just before he left Livingston the, uh, the season in the Premier League. I thought yeah. he was absolutely different class. Is he really, still really Dundee? Good. Aye, he's at Dundee, aye. Yeah. Aye, he's back in the team now. So, aye, I think he's done, he's done brilliant for himself. He's a really, really, really good player. Yeah. So that's them two. Up top, we're going to go for Chris Boyd, who, by the way, I used to slaughter every week thinking, look at the size of him, he can't move. 
and we played them in a pre-season friendly at Baby Umps. Come on, Mickey was it? And he got the ball in the box, and it was just like uh, I was like, I've got him, I've got him. Next minute, he just turned me inside out, and I'm like, where's he went? Didn't realise it was actually sharp in the box, and just yeah. a natural goal scorer. And the other player, the other striker I'm going to go for is a big Rory McAllister. Yeah, with Peter Head, he was a fucking absolute goal machine as well. And everything you, I just seemed anything you played against him, you just seemed to score. I did love a goal against us, him like. I just, I just, no matter who, he just always seemed to score goals. So that was the two I went for, just two goal machines. Awesome. I think that's us then, Stoney. I've only got one question to ask you that I forgot to ask Dave Beaton last week that I've missed asking in interviews. What's the best shout that you've heard from the stands whilst you've been a player? Whilst I've been a player? Aye. Uh, any abuse towards you or that that you remember? <laughs> oh, are you kidding me on? I've had a few. <laughs> I don't know if I could say this on the... You maybe yeah. the oh, no, you can say anything you want. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I remember I was a... Uh, Playing for our growth, I just obviously I was away for his five first season, first game back, and uh, I'm worse. I was playing left back on the on the stadium side, and the next minute I hear is, "Get the fuck, Johnson, you orange bastard!" <laughs> 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 and I was like, I actually just turned round and I just started laughing because I was like, "Do you know what? Ah, you're right. I feel I know what do you want me to say." I was just like, <laughs> it actually made me chuckle. Eh? I go over in two or three nil at a time, so it didn't help. And I, obviously, I turned around and started laughing, so that didn't help as well. But it was just, it was just banter. It was just, it was all there, taking in the right way. That's what we'll call the episode. This one. There was a reason I asked you this question, and it's because yeah. one of my favourite shouts that I've heard at a football match. Unfortunately, it was directed at you, but it actually made me laugh out loud. And it was an Arbroath fan <laughs> when you were playing for East Fife, and the guy shouted, Fuck off, Stoney, you're a fucking hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never heard that, or I would have just laughed as well. <laughs> I don't know why the fans didn't like me. Uh, honestly, did, 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 did Arbroath fans football. not love you as much as we did, no? Uh, no, I will say no. <laughs> Good. Nah, nah. <laughs> hey, to be fair, these five fans are kind of fault them. There's obviously you get the occasional one or two in every every club, but yeah, on a whole, like these fans were, these five fans were, they were really good to me. Enough. Like I say, I really enjoyed my time there, and just unfortunate that I didn't get to stay a wee bit longer. But that's that boy. That's that's life. Well, we've enjoyed that's having you on the show. It's been a, a pleasure chatting to you. Really enjoyed I, well, they, that. They, they, did you have Fash on before, did you say? Yeah, uh, we've had Fash on uh, a couple of months ago. I probably won't probably keep me a bit longer than you wanted to, but hey, did you ever tell about his, about his story when we went to Belfast? About his Euros? Oh, uh, I've heard that. Aye. I've Absolutely heard that. Um, I can't so, remember. I, I, I don't know if this has maybe been the, on the podcast, but I know it, but I'll let you tell it, Stoney. Oh, as well. That was, we're going to... Uh, Belfast for the Christmas night out so with like a couple of boys had maybe like, said to Fash because he as much as I love Fash he's a great guy he's he's not the sharpest and so we says to him like have you got your Euros not for like next week and he's like no 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 yet no yet so we're thinking that he's obviously not going to he's not going to fall for that so maybe about a week later we're, we're driving back in the car for one of the games and he's like hey, what, uh, have you got your Euros can, where do you get them for and I'm like this is actually serious 
<laughs> so I was like, oh, I said, I've not got mine yet. I'll get mine like the weekend before I go. So we're like, didn't they think you nothing yet? I said to the boys and that, we're just like, we'll keep winding him up, but he's obviously not going to date us. So we're away at Airdrie. We're playing Airdrie. I think we won 3-1. And we're like, we're on, we're drinking like on the bus and we're all sitting and waiting and we're like, hey, Fash, have you got your Euros? And he's like, no, and everybody started laughing, like absolutely buckled. And he's like, ah, oh. next minute he opens his wallet and he's got like two, three hundred euros sitting in his wallet. <laughs> he'd, went, he'd went and got euros because he actually thought we were being serious. <laughs> so, like, we're like, what the fuck? He's like, I wasn't going to see anything. I was trying to hide it and I actually seen the euros sitting in his wallet. <laughs> that, just, that just summed him up absolutely perfectly. So yeah, I'd heard that one with, before. That was. I think Stevie Campbell told us that. Maybe I, I remember probably. it. But I'm old, so. <laughs> uh, no, that was honestly one of the, the funniest things I've seen. Just because like, nobody's going to fall for that, and he's like actually seen. See if he'd seen that. Uh, like, uh, oh, I was going to get them, but I actually seen the Euros with my own eyes. I actually was like, he's actually got them, and that was it. That was just that was the start of the weekend. So that uh, was brilliant. Any other stories you're wanting to get off your chest? Any other ones that we might not? Know? <laughs> uh, well, probably some that I can't even mention, but no, no, that's, like, that's me. Like that's me. Like. <laughs> that one was one of the funniest ones. Like and obviously, he came with shaggers, like shaggers, just a, an absolute pest, but good, good lad. I mean, we've heard stories about Shagger coming onto the pitch dressed as Beetlejuice at Halloween, and uh, oh, he comes as fancy. Right? He used to get all the boys to try and dress up as fancy. He used to love like just pulling his shorts right up to like his chest and just run on. I see he's got that stupid voice and that, or he'd just belong along somewhere and you'd you'd be outside somewhere and he'd be like, Oh, excuse me, can you tell me how to get to and you right where you're standing and it, it's no funny, but it's made funny because he's got this silly voice and just he's just so it's just brilliant. He's just shaggery. Absolutely class, man. Different. Oh brilliant. What a guy. Well, thank you so much for that, Stoney. I've really enjoyed it. I never got to see you play much because I, I moved over in 2006. I think I only actually saw you play one game in person, but... Uh, probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> nah, don't say that, mate. Don't say that. Um, nah, thank you so much. Um, it was, I've not even told you this yet, Michael, but when we got the, like, the requests for to get uh, Stoney on, I was sitting on my iPad. And I was like, all right, I was like, how will I get in touch with him? I was like, I'll just add him on Facebook. So I went through and added them on Facebook. And then, like, I'm sitting next to the message. The message goes, it just says I've just added somebody called Craig Johnson on Facebook and he's accepted my request. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, oh, you've been on Facebook on my iPad, eh? <laughs> I was like, yeah. She's like, well, he's accepted it. I was like, ah, well, maybe he's no blind. Eh? He's maybe, maybe he thinks you're all right. And then I was, <laughs> I'm going to add him immediately after it and he's going to go, this is weird. Two people with the same name are going to, like, oh, just... Like I was seen, I was like, because it was through the day, I was like, who's that? So I clicked on it, I was seen like, because uh, I knew he's done this, because I'd yeah. listened to it before, I'd listened to, one of the boys says that you should listen to a couple, of, I listened to Gary Naismith as well at the time, and like maybe yeah. Bobby Lynn's and stuff like that. So I knew, and I was like, well that's thing so I thought, I don't know if it was maybe something to do with this, I wasn't too sure, eh? Yeah. So I thought, well, maybe just, so then, and then obviously you added me right at the back, so I thought, it must be, so. Yeah. No, it's no, good. But- Thank, well, thank you good. so much for coming on, Craig. Really appreciate that. And uh, no yeah. ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Craig Johnson, thanks very much. No problem. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers man.
there you have it, our interview with, with Craig Johnson. Let us know your thoughts on that on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold and, of course, on Facebook, Glory Days of Gold as well. I really enjoyed it. It was a, a thoroughly enjoyable chat, loads of great stories. Interesting to hear his, his thoughts on a few things. Um, first of all, the not the falling out with Gary Naismith, but I, I knew there was something there. Mm. Um, that you know The fact that he just left and it was kind of just brushed under the carpet. Like, I, I don't think that he really got the chance to say the goodbye to the fans that, you know, four years at the club probably earned them to. Well, he was captain as well. And yeah. it, it's tough. I mean, we had Dave Beaton last week. He kind of left with a little bit of a, a sour taste in his mouth as well. It, it happens at, at clubs all over the place. It's going to happen to to other players that, that we like down, down the road. I'm sure that's just how the nature of football works. But no no hard feelings on, on Stony Side. Still speaks highly of, of Gary Naismith. I think it probably was the right move for him at that time because I think we needed to freshen things up and Stony needed a, a new challenge and it didn't maybe quite work out for him at, at our growth the way that he wanted, injuries and then work and stuff like that. But yeah, it is a shame when they players, especially a local guy that's come through, can't say the the goodbye that you maybe want him to say. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of a difficult one because he did so much for the, the club in the short term that he was there. Again, local lad, um, which we all love is these five players, you know, that yeah. boy um, from, from the Fife area, or even better, the sort of leaving district, if you want to call it that, leaving mouth area. Um, coming That's why I loved Fash coming through. It was just, it's like, and then I know his brother didn't feature much, but you're bringing on a pair of local guys like that. It's just fantastic. And it's, and you know, it's, it's why I like the youth setup that we've got just now as yeah. well. That, you know, there's one of the boys, I think his son named Matheson or something like that, that's an actual East Fife fan that's in the, the youth ranks as well. So these are the things that, as a fan, it's, it's because they're living your dream, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I, I, absolutely. Like, if I had a son, I would want him to, to play for East Fife. And yeah. I, I think, like, here, I started watching the, the Whitecaps U18s and U16 games, partly because no one else was covering them, so it was kind of a, like a niche market. But then you get to see the players coming through. So then when they sign their first team contract... It sounds stupid, but it feels like it's one of your family members that signed the contract. It's like, I felt proud as punch. I was like, oh, I've watched this guy since he was 15. Now he's in the first team. And it's like, you feel like it's almost your kid that's done it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I know that you've spoken quite a lot about like Alfonso Davies, um, Jonathan David, these guys that you've you've seen play for so long and look at the careers that they're having now. Yeah, you know? um, yeah it's, it's weird sometimes when they go to that like most of the guys don't make it, but you get the odd breakout guy that, and you're like, wow, just saw him as a young guy. And it was like, he's Fife. Going way back, Gordon Jury was probably the big breakout guy that I, we were just talking about this off air, that my first season watching his Fife, Gordon Jury was playing up front for us. So yeah. you see him go on and then Davy Kirkwood, Ali Mitchell, Stevie Ferguson. And then we've had a big gap where there's not really been guys that's gone on. Fash was probably one of them. I, I know he only went to, to Falkirk, but yeah. it still went up a level. And you, you you want to keep the guys as long as you can, but you also want them to, 
to go and have a career and go, yeah, I saw him start off at East Fife. He came through our ranks and hopefully this new setup will get to see that. Yeah, look, the system that's been put in place is one that I think is designed around success and we can only hope for the best. You know, the Fife Elite setup seems to be producing some some um, some pretty good results. I mean, a former East Fife youth player or young Fifers player, Louis Appere, um, who was at um, AM Soccer, he was part of the Fife Elite, he scored his first professional goal for Dundee United recently. So there, there is definitely talent around and, and hopefully we could use, a, I don't know what our scouting network's like or how we're, we're recruiting our younger players, but I'm hopeful for the future if it's something that's sustainable that we could keep it going. It, it needs to for clubs like East Fife. That that's how we survive down the road, because we have to to bring someone on and sell them every now and again to bring that money in. And we've just had a big big gap where we've just not been producing homegrown. Talking to Stoney there, so many of those seasons that he was there, it was turbulent seasons. Yeah. But then during the interview, I had actually got me thinking. Willie Gray came in. And, well, like even going back to, to the Archibald, when he wanted to go full-time, and as I said in the interview, if we'd gone full-time then, I think that could have crippled us badly, maybe even yeah. killed us. Then you had the Willie Gray. Great while it lasted, but then he pulls out, and we're on the verge again of being in financial mess. Lee Murray, he leaves, we're on the verge of a financial mess. It's, it's not worth it for a modicum of success to, to then put your club possibly at big risk of not not existing. But equally, there is there is an element uh, sometimes risk versus reward. So thinking, you know, if we could just push that a little bit further, then we can maybe go into the championship and be an Alawa, be an Arbroath, be, you know, one of these teams that, that, that could go up and survive. But equally, it's not a level, I personally no. feel. But it would be... It would be a nice to have, but it's not a need, if that makes sense. Yeah. As long as you're not relying on just one person's money. Yeah. I mean, if it's more, like, if there's, like, three or four independent folk in a consortium, yeah. But when you rely on one person's money, and Brooke Mileson's the, the obvious example of that, when that person's not around, it's like things get scary for, for clubs. Yeah. And we can't ever allow ourselves to to do that. There's a lot of talk, I've mentioned before, I'm a Wimbledon fan, they're fan-owned, there's lots of folk wanting to to change that structure and have an actual ownership group in. And folk are like, do you not remember what happened before and how we had to restart? We don't want that again. But then folk are like, well, we're shit at the moment, we're going to get relegated. It's just, it's balancing it. It's like, yeah, you might get relegated to League Two, but at least you're a league club, whereas 12 years ago, you didn't have anything. Risk versus reward is, is the exact same you know, premise that I've mentioned. You, you've got that, right, could we have a run at it? Or are, actually, are, are we just living within our means and, and doing the right thing and, and ensuring that at the end of the day, we've still got a club to support? Because, I mean, you've got so many ambitious clubs at champion at the bit to come mm. up. You know, you've, you've got to remember but a lot that, of them as well are one person backed. Yeah, Kelty. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you only have to look at a few of them and look at, you don't adjust about Kelty a, a lot. I, I wouldn't want to see any club go to the wall. I genuinely wouldn't want to see any club go to the wall because at the end of the day, they've got a fan base. You know, Kelty have actually got their own podcast now. You mentioned that earlier. Oh. Called, called the Maroon Machine. I've seen them... 
a boy that I know, um, Stuart Cargill, he was in our youth team. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so he, he was, he's Kelly's all-time record goal scorer. Um, so he was on their podcast recently. I actually need to listen to that because Cargill's a, a, a top lad, a really nice, a really nice kid. So, yeah, you would really, you don't want to see that happen to any club. Well, but, apart from Cowden Beast. I would, even then, I would be, I'd be kind of loathed to, to see it happen to them. Probably. Oh, no. No, I'd be happy for their overs to go bust as well. Yeah, you're obviously a lot more horrible than me. I like I, oh, totally. Just ask ask my wife. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on from that section, then we're going to bring to you one of your favourite sections, which is our Have You Heard slash Artist of the Month. So we've received some pretty good fo- uh, feedback so far on, on Father Son. So we're going to bring you another one of their songs. It's from the same album... Um, that Michael picked last week so he picked Lost Little Boys I'm going to stick with the Open Book album and we're going to pick this week Just Past the Point of Breaking so here it is Father Son with Just Past the Point of Breaking
Father Son there with Just Past the Point of Breaking. As always, let us know your thoughts on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or on Facebook or via private message or carrier pigeon or smoke signal, just whatever you feel more comfortable with. But yeah, um, Michael, obviously you hadn't listened too much to the Father Son before I picked them as, as artists in the month. What have been your thoughts? I know that you said that you've, you've, you've been thinking about playing them on your, your radio show. Yeah, really, really enjoyed what I've heard of them so far. I, I like the vocal style. Um, I like the sound. They should be a lot bigger, I think, than than they are. Because from from what I've gathered, they're not like big, big, are they? No, no, definitely not. I mean, actually, the only reason that I'd even heard of them is my cousin's band, Model Airplane, supported them. And I don't know if I mentioned that on the, the show before, but they actually supported them. And I said, "I'll give them a listen and see what they like." And the first song that I'd listened to was "I Like Not Knowing," which was my first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, they're excellent. And then just slowly but surely started listening to them a little bit more. And yeah, I think they're excellent. Yeah, excellent band. And if you have any recommendations for Scottish bands that we might not have heard of, let us know. Definitely. So another thing that I put out on social media this week, and I've been in contact with Donotter. Um, so Donotter seem to be a bit like the new Toffs. Um, mm. And they're rejigging a lot of the, the old retro shirts. And... After speaking to uh, Dave Beaton and looking at some of the old strips that we had, the picture that we picked to have of him on his graphic that we uploaded, I absolutely loved that shirt and, and I was like, oh, I'd love to have that. And I remember seeing some of the Donotter stuff before. And I was like, right, okay, I wonder if they'll do them. So I went on and they've got one solitary East 5 jersey. So I thought, right, I'm going to give them yeah. a message. I'll give them a message and see. And they, to be fair, I got an, almost an immediate reply. It's like 10 minutes later. I was just like, look, I was like, if there's a, a certain top that we're looking for, can you get it in? He's like, yeah, we can do. Um, we could do most designs. Um, and if it's only one, it could end up pricey. But if we're looking to release a few of them, then it could bring the price down. So I sent him a picture of that shirt. And then obviously I asked you guys which ones you're liking. And delighted to tell you they're actually looking to do a, a series of these five strips. Oh, fantastic. So I, I kept this one from Michael. He doesn't actually know this yet. Um, and he said, yeah, they're looking to add more these five stuff to their range and they're going to be sending me some mock-ups of what they're going to be doing. So I'll be sure to tweet them out when they come out. The prices of the jerseys are going to be a very, very reasonable price, I would say, anyway, of £35 each. Oh, um, that's really good. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be able to, to really hit home if you guys are wanting any strips make sure you message them get in touch with which ones that you want i've added them in the thread and hopefully yeah we can start seeing some of the, the old strips that you like um 35 pound i think is very very reasonable um and yeah if there's any strips you want definitely get in touch and i'll be sure to feed that back checked out their site and there's some strips that really brought back memories of just watching football in the 80s and the, the 90s of lower league teams the, the strip that you highlighted, interestingly, was an away strip. 
Yeah. Which I, I wouldn't mean, be too upset if they brought out because I only have the home version of it and I don't have the away one. Yeah, I really like that kit. Um, and there was, you know, some of the mailbag feature, which, in fact, I think we'll maybe just tie in okay. with this section, was all based around the retro strips. So, I mean, a load of people jumped on and said which strips they would like. Um, so I'm just going to bring up a couple of them now. Where did they go? Um, so, yeah, the, the one that got sent to me by um, Zach, Official Z, at Official Z on Twitter, uh, was the, the Coxport Teeth Kit. Um, and that was the first East Fife kit, I, well, top that I ever had. Um, and it was my dad's one. Um, and it was a hand-me-down. And I used to wear it when I went to bed. So it was just that, that brought back some amazing memories. Like you were saying, yeah, you know, his, his brother, um, Luke Aitken, um, who's been on the show before, at Luke Aitken, um, sorry, Luke underscore Aitken 95. Um, they were absolutely delighted to, to see when I picked the, the away kit, which is the white, the long-sleeved white, gold and black with the pinstripes on it um, and then a whole load of other people um, started chipping in with, with shirts and stuff that they'd like so let us know if, if again this is really important if you're wanting to see this happen get in touch I think Scott Young sent one that he liked as well and he actually uploaded a, um, pictures of all the old strips which yeah, I'm just looking through them just now in the old footballshirts.com website yeah. um, I actually like the, the home shirt for the 95, 96 one, um, which is another Lecoq Sportif one. And somebody mentioned that they felt that Lecoq Sportif probably made our best kits. And I don't think I would disagree with that too much. See, as much as I like the, 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 the shirts that we've got just now, and I think I've maybe mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. They feel like, I feel like the sizes are all out of cutter. Because, like, don't mm. get me wrong, I'm, I'm not a skinny guy, right? But I had to order a 5XL. And I've never been like all yeah, my there's no way you're a five XL. No, right. So I'm I'm an XL four maybe, but exactly. Like I'm no, I, would, a... I would never even have thought that you were anywhere near that. No, an XL slash XXL, depending on, on if it's a tight fit or not, right? And I had to order a five XL in the home shirt this year. And I know there's a few other these five fans at the same. Um, so hmm. that's just a, a sub point. But there's yeah. a few clubs I've been looking at. Where I've thought about getting the kit and it said order bigger size than than you would normally order and it's like well why a size should be a size yeah exactly it's so. like w- women's clothes over here are bizarre like my wife can be a, a, an extra small a small a medium a large or an extra large it it's just, insane, it's, isn't it? no it's like it's just a picking a poke as to what what you buy and then you wonder why some people have complexes yeah shopping online or or any of that sort of thing because you never know if it's going to bloody fit or not but one thing i will say is an absolute master stroke from football nation the other day was tweeting out um that they've got the home kits back and stuff yes. so it prompted me to go onto their site i saw um, and then i bought the away kit um and then i think i've just actually realized just now i've, I've ordered the wrong size but yeah well <laughs> but it's okay i'll be able to exchange it hopefully but then, i mean uh, I, i'm looking through the old kits and I, I know what ones i've got kind of like missing from my collection yeah. I don't have our home kit from the championship year. So I'd like that. Just yeah, I don't have that either. For the history side of it. So the 2007-8 kit, I I should have bought it because it was my last season there. I, I should have bought it and, and gone away with it. I also don't have the home kit for the Duker promotion season. Oh. I've only got the away one. So I wouldn't mind that because I always it's always the away ones I tend to buy, 
Although, funnily enough, I don't have the 2006-7 away one, which was kind of like the aquamarine turquoise yeah. thing. I really like that one as well. But I, if they bring out that white pinstripe one, I will get it because I've got the home one. And hopefully it's better than the original because it's got the smallest neck ever. Trying to get it over your head is, like, tough. Well, I've got a big head as well, so that wouldn't be ideal. Yeah, so, I mean, ideally... The, the Archibald Lecoq Sportif black one with the orange things, I mean, that's another iconic one as well that I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that they would make. But whatever they bring out, if it's something I haven't got already in my collection, £35, I'm definitely buying it. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm going to reiterate one final time. It's going to be supply and demand. So if we, if you pick some strips and people buy them, then you know, they're, they're going to keep stocking them. They're going to start taking um, on board what, what we've asked for. So so that's Danotter, D-U-N-N-O-T-T-A-R, retro football shirts. You'll find them on Twitter um, or you can find them just by searching them on Google as well. And they've got a whole list. So even if you're not an East 5 fan, I know that we have some non-East 5 fans that, that listen to the show as well. They've got a whole wee of different clubs there and they're definitely worth looking at. There's some really, really good ones like, Old things as well, like some Clyde Bank kits and Meadowbank Thistle and stuff going like way back as well. And for anyone that's got a, a favourite in the old firm, they've got some classic Celtic and Rangers kits as well. Definitely a, a business worth supporting because, yeah, I love retro kits. I just love weird and wacky kits just in general. A, a business in Australia that ships in old football kits from around the world that are uh, like a couple of seasons out of date or whatever and they go for the obscure ones so I've been looking at some Greenland kits and lots of bizarre little islands that have their own kits and it's like some fantastic stuff Uh, definitely so I think to be honest that's pretty much it apart from Michael who wants to introduce yet another new section yeah because no one is filling our mailbag with their other section. So I'm going to try another new section. It's something I just thought about the other day. I'm going to actually ask some of the players and the Whitecaps this question. We can maybe ask some of the these five players that, that we speak to down the road this question as well. I'm a big Doctor Who fan. So imagine you, you get to borrow the TARDIS for a week. But tied in with that, you can go back in time to watch three football games from any time in history, anywhere in the world. Now, it could be a game that you were at and you just want to relive it, like maybe your first ever match or something, or Duker's goal that took us through, or the championship win at East Sterling, something like that. Or you might want to go a little bit sort of further back. What would be the three games that you would use the TARDIS to, to go back and see? Now, I've picked... The 1938 Scottish Cup win for East Fife, the replay. If I if I could coincide and get the two games, that'd be fantastic. But if I'm only getting the one, it would be obviously the replay against Kilmarnock, our first piece of major silverware. I'd love to see that. Sticking in the 30s, but moving away from East Fife, I'd love to be at the very first World Cup final in Uruguay, Montevideo, Uruguay against Argentina. Just that moment of history that that would be tremendous as well. And then I kind of went back and forth with my third one where I go for the first League Cup win in 47. But I think I would go for the very first game that East Fife had ever played. Their first game as a club 
just to be there for part of history, somehow smuggle a camera back and get some photos that don't exist from that time. I just wish I'd taken my camera to more games in the 80s and the 90s and captured a lot of the stuff back then, actually. But uh, some of the stuff as well that I threw out when I moved over here that I thought, I'm not, never going to need that. Like photos of football grounds that... I, whenever I went to a football ground for the first time, I took photos of it. And I kept ones for, for stadiums that are no longer with us, like Stirling's Anfield, uh, Douglas Park, Hamilton. So I've still got those. But other things that I went to, like Air United, Somerset Park, or stuff like that, this, I don't have those anymore. And I kind of wish I'd kept them. I just thought, I'm not going to need them. And I just threw the album out. And I really regret that. But going back in time and capturing some moments on, on film would be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been racking my brains, honestly, for ages, trying to decide which ones. And I'm going to copycat you with the 38 Cup final. And I think that that would be every East Fife fan's dream to see that. I would absolutely love to, to re-watch the, the Kenny Joker goal again and just actually drink it in. Because you would be watching the nervousness of all the fans, the, the you know the the Queens Park fans starting rumours that the, you know the, there's been goals in other games and stuff, and knowing it was nonsense, and like just to sit and watch my dad and my uncle who were all sitting chomping our nails and, and knowing fine well what was going to happen at the end, you know, like it still you know I say this every time I talk about it, but it still makes it the hairs. Oh yeah stand up and you know Andy English's scream still every time I watch that it, it just it just encapsulates the, the joy and sorry encaptures the joy of that moment and that for me across any game I've ever been to nothing will ever come close to that ever so I would love to relive that and I'm going to cop out from my, my third one and I'm not going to pick an East Fife one and I'm not going to pick a Scotland one because I was very lucky the fact that I was at Hamden when we beat France um, and Gary ah. Cole. I was at that game and, you know, that was probably the greatest Scotland win in my year anyway. So I'm going to go for the Champions League final, 1998-1999, um, with Man United and Bayern Munich. Oh, that's a good one. Because... I think that obviously Bayern one 0 up and then two goals in the last couple of minutes. I actually know somebody that was there, um, and he just said that the, the it was like nothing he'd experienced in his life, and he was a season ticket holder at Old Trafford. So he's like, it was it was like nothing he'd ever dreamed it was possible. That you know when you're one 0 down with, with a few minutes to go, and yeah, I just I'd love to have seen that. Yeah, that that would be amazing. Like I I don't like Liverpool, but to be at that Champions League one where they came back. If you were in amongst the Liverpool fans, just what that atmosphere must have been like. It, yeah. Something like that would be incredible to watch as well. But let us know. Could be East Fife related, could be Scotland related, could have nothing to do with either. What football games would you use the TARDIS to go back and watch in person? Let us know on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or send us an email, glorydaysofgold at gmail.com. And yeah, let us know. And Get our mailbag full. Let us know your all-time greats. Let us know anything, anything we've talked about in the last couple of months, few, several months now, because since we started this back in May, they're all still open. We want to know these things. Yeah, whether it's suggestions, I guess. Um, now, speaking of which, by the time this comes out, 
I will have announced who our next guest is and delighted to announce that we'll be joined with one of my favourite all-time East Fife players, Ewan Donaldson, will be on the show next week. Looking forward to getting a chance to, to speak to one of the legends of the, the Jim Moffat series, which was definitely one that lives in the memory of fans. Um, after that, we've got nobody lined up, so if there's anybody that you want, please get in touch. If you give me a name, I'll do my best to track them down. Some of the older guys are, are, are a lot more difficult, um, and it's not as easy. Um, sort of the more modern guys tend to have Facebook or LinkedIn or something like that that you can try and um, track them down. Or if you've if you've spoken to any Five player or even or even anybody in the current squad that you want us to try and grab a hold of, now is the best time because everybody's at home in theory, so it should be easier uh, to arrange to get them on. So let us know. I I've got a couple of things lined up, but non-footballers. It's like a. Uh a writer, Daniel Gray, that I've talked about before. And also, I, I stumbled across a song last night that I won't say too much about just now, but it's a, a Glasgow-based band, and it's a, an absolutely beautiful football song that was just released this month. So I reached out to the guy that wrote it, so we're going to do a, a, a quick chat with him about it, hopefully next week, and then we'll bring you that on next week's show. It's going to be... You'll like that wavelength, Lee. I'm going to keep it as a surprise just now, but it's an excellent song, and it name checks Bayview. Oh, now see that's where we're talking. Mm. Very uh, briefly, a, but it name checks Bayview. Taking it, and that, that's a wavelength I can get behind. Well, for this week's wavelength, I want to talk to you, Lee, about foreskins. Okay. What can you tell me about foreskins? It's one less than a five skin. True. Uh, if I was to say to you, <laughs> uh, a fistful of foreskins. Mm, Saturday Night with Caitlin? Hmm. No. It <laughs> is the name of an album from 1983 by English punk band The Four Skins. And this is concluding my songs about travelling to away games by supporters. This is Saturday. <laughs>
the foreskins there. And Saturday. We'll be back with another wavelength next week, as I said. Hopefully uh, one that's got a slight East Fife connection, but with an excellent song that I think you'll all enjoy. But that's it from me. Time to wrap up. Yeah, definitely. And we'll start off, Michael, by asking where the, the listeners can find you online if they want to. Ah, no one's going to really want to do that, but you can find the two websites, aftn.co.uk, for all your East Fife stuff, aftn.ca for your Whitecaps, MLS, North American soccer stuff. Get me on Twitter, at AFTN Canada. That's the best one to get me on, but you can also get me on AFTN website. And if you want to send me any emails about anything, you can get me directly on aftncanada at hotmail.com. And Lee Gillis, you can find me on Twitter at LeeG1903. Um, I run all the, the social medias for us as well. So if you want to get me, you message me directly on there. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having uh, doing the show this week. A, a great guest and Craig Johnson. Next show is going to have Ewan Donaldson on it. And like I say, we're, we're hoping to add some more to that list down the line. But until then, stay safe, wash your hands, sing happy birthday. And more importantly, Monday Fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>